This is Tim Tapp, the ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host of Tap Into The Truth that you can hear right here, J-Star, ZMA, and the Vera Networks. Command codes verified. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and we are indeed live at WCETFM in Columbia, South Carolina. We're live across the platform, the last frequency. We're live on the Vera Network. We're live on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, and we are live on the ZMA Radio Network as well. And that also means that we're streaming live on all the digital platforms that they rebroadcast on as well. So large net being cast tonight. Welcome. Oh, Doug wanted to make sure that I said talk stream live in particular. So yes, absolutely. Uh, Of course, if you're listening on talk stream live, I'm guessing you know that already. (laughs) Anyway, glad to have you here along for the ride as we slip right on into Memorial Day weekend. And, of course, it means a lot to those of us who have had family members who have paid 
that ultimate sacrifice so that we can bask in the glory that is the United States of America. Men and women who have donned the uniform and didn't come back all in the name of service to this nation, in the name of preserving freedom and, more important, liberty, who have fought to defend the Constitution of the United States, who fought to uphold the principles of the Declaration of Independence, who essentially sacrificed themselves so that we may breathe free. So the least we can do is continue to fight for this country. You need to keep that in mind as we go into this weekend. It is not a holiday, although we often refer to it as such. It is a day of remembrance, and that is what we need to do. So, Doug, thank you for your service as he's changing hats over there in the control room, putting on his Coast Guard uh, hat. I was going to say uniform, strangely enough, because it's the first word that came to mind. But no, it's just a hat. Uh, he put away the uniform a little while ago, but he served the country proudly. And if you listening out there right now did so, thank you so much, too. But Memorial Day is remembering those who did not come home. And most of us have at least one family member. <laughs> Doug said that he doesn't fit in the uniform anymore. Uh, I think he's going to go get it to show it to me, though. He, uh, it's funny to see him rolling around in the uh, in the control room. All right. So at any rate, enjoy your long weekend if you're getting the long weekend Enjoy every bit of freedom and liberty that has been bought and paid for with the blood of patriots because that too does honor them. But at least take a moment of your time to actually remember and honor those that paid that price so that we can. That is ultimately uh, what we must do now. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> here it comes. Doug is coming forward in front of the camera. And that's a snazzy-looking uniform, Doug. I, I'm digging it. Of course, you know, uh, uniforms are uniforms. Uh, I'm having a hell of a time getting the plastic off of it. <laughs> and and he is. I'm watching the struggle, and right now the struggle is real. Uh, he's got it there, though. Yeah. Full-blown right there, I tell you what. Anyway, proud veteran right there, and I'm proud to call Doug friend. He is the crazy Cajun, but he is a patriot as well, and that's why he does what he does right here too. Uh, you guys do the same. All right, before we uh, get any further along, I do need to mention our first sponsor. Uh, that, of course, is our fine friends over at 4 uh, You know, they've been warning you for a while about what's going on in China. Uh, the fact that China is hoarding a lot of food. Right now, they have nearly cornered the market on almost three-quarters of the world's supply of, of wheat. They're going after half of the rice. They're going after half of the corn. And they are doing this because they know something that the rest of us either don't know or we're trying to ignore. And that is the fact that coming soon to a grocery store near you – food shortages. So what you need to do is be prepared. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to go hungry. You don't have to let your family go hungry. Even when times get tough, you can take the steps to give yourself an additional supply of the four Patriot Survival Food Kits. 
just go check them out. That's all I'm asking you to do. You go take a, an honest look at them. You're probably going to want to come home uh, with a uh, a huge storage bin so you can start ordering and have plenty on standby for those just-in-case moments. In fact, uh, when it comes to being prepared for whatever life might throw your way, Four Patriots is a great place to go and uh, make sure that you are indeed covered. So here's what you do. Go to fourpatriots.com. That's the number four, patriots.com. Take a look around the whole site. Look at the survival food kits. Look at the emergency backup generators. Look at uh, the heirloom seeds, the gardening supplies, the water filtration. Go look at everything they've got. And when you see something that you absolutely have to have, when you decide you're going to click that uh, that uh, button that puts it over there in your shopping cart, remember at checkout to use the code TAP. That's T-A-P-P to get yourself 10% off that order. It works like a charm, and lots of you guys have been doing it, and thank you so much for that. Now, one more time. FourPatriots.com, the number four, Patriots.com. Use code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. Save yourself 10%. Now, here in just a little bit, we are scheduled to be joined by our first guest of the evening. And if you've been paying particular attention, the name Chadwick Moore probably is going to ring a bell to you. Because Chadwick Moore, while he's done a lot of work in the past, Right now he's getting a lot of notoriety because he's just released – well, he's still taking pre-orders. Technically it's not released yet, but he's about to release his brand new book. It's a biography of one of the most important voices in the conservative uh, stage. It's a biography of the no longer working for Fox News, Tucker Carlson. It's simply called Tucker, and uh, I'm looking forward to having a few minutes of uh, Chadwick's time to discuss both the book and part of the journey in getting the book written because you know he had what amounts to unprecedented access to Tucker for about a year, maybe just a smidge longer. So he knows some things about Tucker that – only Tucker himself knows, and we obviously aren't going to get to learn all the deep, dark secrets, but maybe he'll share a few of the things that we learned. Also, here in the first hour, we're scheduled to be joined once again by our friend and frontline warrior when it comes to what's going on in the great state of Texas, Richard V. Battle. And uh, we're going to be talking about what's really going on in Texas since the ending of Title 42 and how – is playing out both there and what he's seen uh, outside of that. Then in hour number two, well, we've got a special treat, guys. We've got a special treat. I'm not going to give too much away right now. We'll get there when we get there. But as I'm peeking at the clock, we've only got uh, a few moments before it's time to connect with uh, Chadwick. So I obviously don't want to get too deep into any of the topics, but we've got some interesting things to talk about. We've got uh, lawmakers in the state of Maine starting to back bills, hoping to make law that would allow 16-year-olds to receive gender hormone therapy without parental consent. You know we're going to talk about that later. We've uh, got the designer of this satanic 
uh, imagery that was involved with the Pride collection at Target coming out and saying that Target was well aware of the satanic imagery. So the blowback continues to get worse for Target. You know we got to talk about that. And then, of course, as time allows, we will also talk about the boycott of the Dodgers that now the Catholic bishops have finally decided they want the boycott as well. They're coming out swinging since uh, – swinging. Uh, Dodgers, see what I did there? They're coming out swinging because of the reversal of the reversal when it came to this sister of perpetual – a demagoguery a group that's nothing more than a Catholic hate group uh, wearing dresses. So that'll be interesting. Uh, we'll talk about all that and a little bit more. One more thing I would like to point out uh, before Chadwick uh, gets started with us, and that is Edward Brodal. Ed Brodal, he's been a, a, a multiple-time guest on the show. His newest book is also out. Uh, you can uh, pick that up at Amazon right now if you like. I'll put a link in the show description for the podcast later, by the way, and uh, it's it's going to be a fun read. Uh, it's titled The War on Whites, How Being Racist Against White People Has Become a National Sport. And I, I don't want to give anything away too much, but you know how there's usually like a little blurb or something that sometimes gets put on the front cover? If for no other reason, go check it out. Go uh, look at the picture and uh, take a peek at the one that managed to get on the cover of this go-around. Spoiler alert, he put something up from me. Okay, well, <laughs> enough of that. Let's get to tonight's show. Let's get to the action. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, already on the line with us, uh, welcome Mr. Chadwick. Excuse me, just a second. My screen went completely blank. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Mr. Chadwick Moore. Uh, let me uh, make sure that I'm getting the nod. Do we have Chad on the line, uh, Doug? Yes. yes. Hello. Hey, how are you? Okay. All right. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm multitasking. The producer's multitasking. And um, unfortunately, uh, probably only one of us should be doing that. Chad, how are you doing tonight? We almost had a dramatic introduction there, but that's okay. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I greatly appreciate it. I know you certainly uh, are busy trying to promote the brand new book, Tucker. Uh, a lot of folks are going to be looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, it's still awesome. Uh, strong pre-orders right now, and I, I can't help but imagine, given that extra little bit of controversy that came after uh, Tucker's departure from Fox, that that probably drove more interest to reading this book than ever. But this is really more of a, an origin story of how Tucker Carlson became who he is, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, we uh, – so – as, as things would have it, I'd sort of finished the book by end of March and sent the manuscript in, and we were kind of going through it. I had actually the week that uh, his show was pulled off the air, I had calls scheduled with him just to tidy some things up, you know, a couple, couple hey, did I get this right? Can you explain this a little more? A couple of final things, and then this happened, of course. So I've, uh, I've interviewed him twice since the show was taken off the air, and we and I've updated the book. I added a couple new chapters about the aftermath and what happened and how he's been doing. And, uh, yeah, you know, we were always going to announce the book this month, and, and then this happened, and, and it's kind of, you know, shaking up the whole world. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just really 
strange timing because, you know, book launches are planned months in advance, if not years in some cases. It takes a lot of time to put these together. And it's not as if you're new to the game. You've been a journalist for a long time. Uh, you, of course, have uh, been the uh, um, the editor over at The uh, Spectator, uh, your editor-in-chief over at Outspoken. Uh, you you have a lot of hats in the ring. You've been in the fight to to bring truth uh, to the, the the masses, and it's really through that an extension where the biography comes from. But uh, how do you go from being a guest on his show to becoming a Tucker Carlson biographer? Well, you know he. Uh, so you know I'm a I'm an independent biographer, which means I have totally. Total editorial independence. So Tucker's not seen a word of the book. He's not asked to see a word of the book. In fact, he hates reading things about himself. And he said, I hope you don't mind, but I probably won't read your book. And I said, that's fine. Because he's told me before he doesn't even read magazine articles about himself. But um, uh, that's the difference between like an authorized biographer, which is um, someone who, a person who wants a book written about them. They hire a writer. They have a say in everything. Um, the, the idea of Tucker having an authorized biography once you get to know him is so laughable because he's just not that kind of a person at all who, who, who kind of courts that kind of attention. But uh, how it happened was this publishing company, my publisher, All Seasons, they reached out to me, and uh, there's an editor there who I'd worked with before. We had a great relationship. And they said, we want to do a, t- a book about Tucker Carlson. This was um, early last year. And they said, uh, you know, we think he's the most important and influential voice in America, and we, we write like a book about him. And I said, I agree with you. And they said, we want you to do it. And I, I was sort of shocked. I'm like, I'm a guest on the show. I don't know how if I should do that. And I said, well, let me call Tucker and see what he thinks about it. And uh, called him up. And, and at first he was like, same story, like, oh, I don't like, I never read anything about me. And then he, he kind of said, well, I, I really like your writing. And, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of your work. And, yeah, let's give it a shot. So ever since then, I, it was, it's just been anything I ever needed from him. He was right there. And, if, you know, hey, can I come and hang out? Sure, come on down. Uh, you know, it was I was so surprised at how incredibly open he is and warm and and just so much fun. You know, I'd be I'd ask, uh, hey, what, what, do you have a hotel recommendation near you that I should stay at? No, you're staying at the house. Come on in. So I'd stay at the house with him and his wife. And uh, it was a really wonderful experience. And, and he's a very open guy and and just a joy to be around and, and, and a, a joy to write about for someone like me. He's, he's a writer's dream because he just loves to talk. He's such a character. You just kind of shut up and you just let him go, and and you just get so much great material from him. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I was going to ask, I think you basically just answered it, was, you know, a lot of people that do what Tucker does, even people that uh, do radio shows and podcasts, uh, kind of adopt a persona for their on-air existence because their actual personality is very different. It kind of sounds to me like uh, Tucker's just Tucker regardless. Is that a fair impression? It really is. And in fact, if anything, I think he's a little toned down on television, if people can believe that. You know, a lot of people kind of have to get the energy up and they, you know, the camera goes on, boom, they've got all this personality. When it goes off, they're kind of a dud. He's kind of the opposite of that. I noticed that even, you know, I'd sit and watch the show, like sitting in a chair off camera a lot. And, uh, you know, he would do a show and then commercial break and he'd just explode in energy and just be just as entertaining and fun. So he's very much the person that he is on camera, if not more so. And um, but, you know, when when he's not uh, he, he doesn't want to talk about politics all the time, which I found refreshing. And I love that. And, and, you know, any conversation you end up having can ultimately be turned into a political or a uh, cultural 
um, scenario or have roots in that. But, you know, we, we barely ever talked about politics. Just when he and I were hanging out, sitting around his kitchen, he is, you know, this, he has uh, such a, a, a breadth of interest. And he's, a very, he's very full of life. Uh, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. And it keeps him sane, you know, because he's not one of these people that can only talk about politics. He, you know, he loves nature. He's very spiritual uh, and, and loves history. And he's also just so wildly funny. Well, uh, during this time, I mean, it, it sounds like you had just so much unfettered direct contact. Was there anything that happened along this time that just took you by complete surprise? Uh, anything that was just shocking that you thought there is no way this could be really happening? <laughs> well, I mean, as would happen, I was with him uh, when – he found out about those text messages being leaked. Um, you know, and some of them, he was accused of saying disparaging things about Trump, and he used you know naughty language about some Fox executives, and, and those were all being made public from the Dominion lawsuit. And so I was sort of watching in real time that situation unfold, which is interesting. And then you know I asked him about Trump, and and, and you know he had some great things to say about Trump. Really, really, he had some great Trump stories that were really entertaining. But he also wasn't a sycophant, and he, you know, he criticized Trump where he felt he deserved it, and then he said where he thought his strengths were. Um, so it was interesting being a part of that, you know, that aftermath uh, in real time. And then, of course, you know, after the the news came, I, I got to talk to him and kind of see uh, how his demeanor was then. And uh, he, the news being when his show was pulled off the air because he's he's still a Fox News employee, so we should. Be, <laughs> it's a difficult. Yeah. I keep saying firing, but I know that's not true. Um, so, yeah, that was also uh, something to see. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to even fathom exactly everything that's transpired there. Now, you come forward and said that you have uh, at least two independent sources that have knowledge, they're credible, that have made uh, no qualms about it. It has to do with the Dominion voting machine uh, settlement. Uh I obviously don't want you to divulge these sources because then suddenly they don't be sources for you anymore. But you're absolutely 100 percent convinced that based on your sources that that is, in fact, the truth. So I'm I'm convinced that they would know if if anyone. And right. uh, they told me this um, before. So this news was already out there when when I sort of said what I had heard. Uh, and they told me that before. So I kind of already already kind of knew this. And, uh, you know, of course, Dominion has denied this and Fox has denied this. And uh, my sources have assured me that this is what happened. Uh, and, you know, it's it's the way it all unfolded uh, in real time was um, I, w I happened to be on Tucker's last show, which was April 21st. And nobody knew it was going to be um, his last show. And Monday morning, he woke up like a normal Monday, and he wrote his monologue. He writes all of his monologues and uh, uh, sent it off to his producers. And shortly after that, he got a phone call from Fox News president Suzanne Scott. And she said, we're taking your show off the air. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And that was it. Uh, at the same time, two other executives called Tucker's producer, uh, Justin, and said the same thing to him. So it was a sort of coordinated thing. And uh, he, I talked to him a couple of days after that. He had no idea why. They didn't give him any reason. He was just left to speculate like the rest of us. Uh, and then we put a video on Twitter that that uh, last week that got a lot of attention, and where I, you know, said that people people had confirmed this to me 
this is what they are saying, you know, uh, and I have no reason to believe they would mislead me. And then Tucker's Twitter account retweeted it, which, like, I, he didn't know we were making this video or anything. And when yeah. we didn't know he retweeted it, or, I didn't even know he looked at me on Twitter. Um, so that, you know, people can make of that what they, what they want to. Well, I, it certainly sounds uh, like they it sounds like they had uh, inside baseball knowledge on that one, if you get what I mean. All right, uh, Chadwick, thank you so much for joining us. I, I appreciate it. I did catch that last show, by the way, and you guys going on about what constitutes the plus and the LGBTQ plus, <laughs> that was gold, by the way. You guys <laughs> were ripping it up. Uh, before we say goodbye, though, uh, please feel free. Let everybody know where they can find the book. Uh, share your website so they can find your work because you got a lot of great work going on and beyond the book uh let them know where they can uh, get the pre-orders put in place and as long as you're inviting people to follow you anywhere on social media feel free to share any of those handles on whatever platforms you'd like as well oh well sure thank you uh, so if people are interested they can go to tuckerthebook.com and there you can find links to buy the book uh it's, the book is sold at amazon barnes and noble books a million if you don't want to give amazon your money and a lot of people don't you can buy it directly from the publisher and there's a link for that at TuckerTheBook.com. And then for me, I'm on Twitter at Chadwick underscore Moore. Uh, my website is Chadwick, uh, Moore, ChadwickMoore.com. Uh, and I've got some – I need to update it, but I still have a bunch of clips there of my, of my columns. I'm a columnist at The Spectator World, and uh, you can find my stuff there. So TuckerTheBook.com if you're interested. All right. Again, thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, certainly, uh, I don't think I need to wish you success with this because I think uh, it's pretty much a done deal. But uh, just the same, good luck with the sales and hopefully uh, just uh, another step in very successful writing career. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. That's really kind. Thanks for having me on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Chadwick Moore. Uh, we will have links in the show description that will uh, – when uh, for the, uh, the podcast after the fact, of course. Uh, for those of you that uh, didn't quite catch everything as we went, uh, I'll make sure that they get in there. And uh, you know, in the meanwhile, check it out. Uh, TuckerTheBook.com is a good place to go to, especially if you don't want to help Jeff Bezos continue to fight against conservative values, which is a thing we know he does. All right. We're getting dangerously close to the mid-hour break. But before we do that, let me talk to you a little bit about our second sponsor of the day. And, of course, we're talking about our friends over at Gold Co. There is a not-so-secret secret Fed bailout going on right now. It's looking way worse than 2008. Banks are collapsing. Executives are taking fat bonuses. And who's on the hook? Well, you are. I am. The American taxpayer is because the White House is running to their rescue rather than taking care of the American people. But guess what? There's good news. You can opt out of this little game that they're playing, opt out of the system, move your cash to gold and silver. Do it right now before it's too late. Give our friends at Gold Cola a call at 855-387-2932 to learn the three simple steps that you can take right now to protect your savings with gold and silver. Take action today to protect yourself and your family from financial collapse before Joe Biden shows up, backs his uh, uh, son uh, Hunter up to your uh, door and picks up bags of cash from you instead of, you know, the foreign countries. They normally do it. One more time. Uh, that number is eight five five three eight seven two nine three two. 
And if you hurry right now, you can still have the opportunity to get up to $10,000 in bonus silver. Uh, that good is valid while supplies last. That's 855-387-2932. Give Gold Co. a call right now. That's the break. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. For all you Vladimir Putin haters, why do you think he has been demanding a United Nations investigation into the U.S. biological network in Ukraine for 16 months? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from your original book brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Russia has claimed they will cease fire if only the U.S. government is investigated and former Russian territory is returned. Could it be that both Biden and Ukraine funny man Zelensky refused to quit the conflict? Is the war in Ukraine a backlash for the creation of C-19? Some time ago, Russia directly accused Ali Obama, Mrs. Clinton, George Soros, and Uncle Joe Biden of being the main ideologues behind the C-19 plot. Could it be that is why hundreds of billions of our U.S. tax dollars were sent to Ukraine? Not to protect liberty or the Ukrainian people, but rather to protect deep state actors from the world discovering their awful crimes against humanity? One has to wonder. I know I sure do. What say you? While China remains a bigger threat to anyone other than Satan himself, I'm Ron Edwards. Let's meet again on the next page from the Edwards Notebook. See ya. Second's goal is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. These products are patented and proven. Second Skull is a protective headgear company. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. On this Memorial Day, I know that everybody is remembering the fallen soldiers who have paid the ultimate price for our country. And it's a country that we all love. At Arlington Cemetery, I met a young boy named Christian Jacobs. He was special. He was standing 
fully in a uniform. His father was a great man to him, and he was a great man to me. And Christian was standing over his father's grave, saluting. It was something I'll never forget. Arlington is a special place, and our country is a special place. As Americans, we come together to remember our great heroes on this Memorial Day. Thank you. author and speaker and media commentator and you're listening to Tim Tap on Tapping the Truth. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. Richard Battle is here with us, but right before we do that, I need to sneak in a little more conversation about uh, one of our sponsors because, you know, that's how we pay the bills around here, boys and girls. Uh, Of course, now we're talking about our third sponsor of the day. We're talking about Vanish Holsters. And as I have pointed out to you multiple times, As a listener of this show, you are well aware that the fastest way to become a victim of tyranny is to give up your guns. The quickest way to become a victim of crime, especially violent crime, is to not have your firearm with you when you need it, which is why I have to remind you about a mistake that a lot of us gun owners make. And and I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm pointing fingers at me. I've done this too. We'll go out. We'll pick a holster that's just so uncomfortable that we try it for a while and then we eventually decide, you know what, that one's not working and we stop carrying the firearm. Putting ourselves at a disadvantage if, heaven forbid, that event occurs where we do need to defend ourselves or protect our family or protect our neighbors – If that happens and we don't have our firearm, then we are at that huge disadvantage. But that's also the primary reason why so many people right now are saying that Vanish Holsters is the most comfortable holster ever. It's why Vanish is becoming one of the most popular holsters in America. They've got thousands of their customers that are saying they are unequivocally, hands down, the most comfortable holster ever and that if you get one – You'll never stop carrying. This particular holster also saves you a ton of money because it is designed to fit 99% of all semi-auto handguns. It works without a tactical belt. It lets you carry two fully loaded magazines along with their firearm. And the best part for that comfort is it lets you carry in multiple positions. And the best part... As far as being a listener to tap into the truth, you can get a $50 discount from Vanish Holsters right now. Just go to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P to activate that $50 discount. That's www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Go over there right now today. Claim your $50 discount. Get your Vanish Holster on its way to you. If you multitask, you can have that order finished before we reset the hour. 
All right. With all that being said, uh, thanks once again to uh, Richard V. Battle for patiently waiting as I did all that spiel. Uh, Richard, thank you so much for joining us once again. How are you doing this Biden Friday? Tim, it's my pleasure, and it's always a good time to carry your phone. All right. Well, I uh, I got to tell you, uh, the first time you came on the show, we talked a little bit about uh, one of your books. Uh, obviously, the uh, Built by Americans, Not Americans had not uh, been released at that point. We were talking about uh, something else entirely, your uh, – your books about the daily dedications and affirmations and that's a phenomenal book too and i want to make sure that everybody if you haven't gotten a copy you need to get out there and get it but we brought you on to talk about the situation on the ground in texas and that is once again what we have uh, done tonight Uh, obviously Things in Texas uh, have not been settled as long as Joe Biden has been installed in the White House. Illegal border crossings are at record highs. But after Title 42 expired, we were uh, just the, – the, all the warning signs were there. It looked like it was going to be an absolute tsunami of people trying to rush across the border. They managed to find a, a way to use this app and give away a bunch of phones, of course, using U.S. taxpayer dollars to do it, uh, to give the appearance of it not being nearly as bad as it is. But all these people are expecting to come across. Most of them probably will. But the truth of what's happening on the ground in Texas is being squashed by mainstream legacy media. We don't get a good picture unless you're there. You are, sir. What's happening in Texas? Well, and you're exactly correct. And what's going on is criminal by our government, and it's very purposeful as well. And so first, let me remind people that the Texas border with Mexico is 1,254 miles long. That's the distance between Miami and Boston. So it's a very difficult thing to defend, and that's why the border wall and other techniques are so important to try to defend and steer people to certain areas. But uh, what's going on now? This week, two or three days ago, they caught 33 Chinese nationals coming across in South Texas. So it's not just the Mexico or Northern Triangle problem it's people from over 160 countries and so the numbers are off the charts if you look at custom and border patrol numbers for the last 10 years the last two years are greater than all the rest of the years combined and so we're being inundated with people and what's worse u.s taxpayers are footing the bill for almost all of it yeah that it's I still can't imagine why so many people are still having trouble wrapping their mind around the idea of how bad this is, given the amount of whining that we now hear from sanctuary cities and sanctuary states in other parts of the country uh, when they've gotten a very small taste of what both Texas and Arizona in particular have had to deal with uh, on a much larger scale. Uh, the, the criminality involved here is, is mind-boggling, and I'm not even talking about the cartels and the people smuggling fentanyl again. I'm talking about our own federal government. They're ignoring actual standing federal immigration law and instead implementing their own philosophy as far as trying to pretend like, 
oh, well, if you just show up and ask for asylum, no matter how it's happened, uh, well, then we have to give you a hearing. This The law hasn't changed. Nobody has bothered to change the law. There's only one way to seek asylum. You have to come into a legal port of entry, then you have to ask for it. And it doesn't hurt if you uh, actually stop at an embassy uh, or a, a consulate before getting into the United States to apply. That's not what's happening. It's all legal trickery, and they've allowed it. But Well, that's but that exactly is, correct, and, and what, you are correct on everything. There's one thing additionally that's extremely vital, and that is when a, somebody is seeking asylum, they have to seek it in the first country outside of their home country they come to. So if you've got somebody coming from Venezuela and they come all the way up through Central America, they don't wait and seek asylum in the United States. They seek asylum in the first country they come to outside of their home country of Venezuela. And our government is ignoring that right now and allowing people to come in and seek asylum when they're not eligible. And, yes, they've thrown a few people back from coming into the country, but the rest of them, they basically give them a paper that says when they have to show up in court, and the dates I've heard have been from 2027 into the 2030s. And you mentioned cell phones earlier. The cell phones, my understanding, they don't work for texting or for phones or for the Internet, so basically they're only a tracking device. So unless the person that gets that phone can modify it and use it for something else, I would bet all of those phones are going to be discarded as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense. I, and, and it's not like these people coming across are dumb. They know what they're up to. And, and the other aspect here, too, that just aggravates me is that economic asylum is not what's uh, the way the system is designed. Uh, we have a diff completely different program for folks that want to come here to work. Guest worker programs exist. They've been made probably easier than they should be. But again, that's that's not really the plan anymore either. We we used to have a lot of folks whose primary goal was to come here and work and send money back. Now there's at least just as many, if not more, that are looking to come here and take advantage of our resources and the programs that have been set up to help them. And while we prioritize these people who have no legal right to be here, we see – uh, veterans and Social Security uh, folks uh, seeing their overall benefits continue to shrink. Uh, this America last mentality is on display in so many different facets here. It, I, I don't know how there's a Texan or an Arizonan that's not ready to just secede from the union and say, that's it, that's enough, no more. <laughs> well, the, you're correct, and they tug on the heartstrings by saying, hey, these people are just coming – for a better life, and I understand that. But the question becomes, well, how many can we take when we have a welfare state? And when they come across the border, we inundate them with clothing, clothing housing, food, medical care, school. We pay for everything for these people. So we can only take a certain number, and that's why we have a legal system. They did a survey in South America last year and asked people who would want to come to the United States. The extrapolated number from South America was 93 million people. We cannot take everyone who wants to come here for, quote, unquote, a better life. And so we have to have a defense, an organized method for letting the people that we want to come in, that we vet, that can help our country versus us having to take care of. 
And if we don't do that, they're going to pull us under. So just take your house. If you had people coming into your house to take care of them, yes, it's nice to help. But at some point, you can't take care of an unlimited number of people and continue to take care of your family. Yeah. yeah, it it really is astounding to me, too, that the same people that are claiming, oh, this is uh, about being considerate and helpful and compassionate when every single uh, part of their policy – only encourages the cartels to make money. It only encourages these people to be trafficked. It, it only encourages a modern enslavement that uh, there's no other term to use here. Uh, several of these people are enslaved once getting here because they have to pay back any monies they didn't pay up front if they were fortunate enough to survive the trip across. Uh, now that they're going to bring about an end to the DNA testing that they were doing to make sure that the children that were being dragged across weren't being used and reused and reused so that to make it easier to get through. That's going to open up another door for trafficking for these kids as well. But with all that, not even at point, these same people that say this is about compassion are also the same people that say America is the most racist country in the world. <laughs> if you honestly believe that, which we know they don't, it's just their story. But if you honestly believed it, wouldn't the more compassionate thing to do would be to wave them away and not let them in? Oh, no, we can't let you be here. We're too racist. <laughs> well, yes, and I, I want to elaborate on the children because that's a very important point. Uh, Donald Trump was excoriated about separating families, but mm. the reason he did it and the media purposely did not explain why is because single men are treated differently than family units. And so there's a whole subculture and a sub-cottage industry of renting children by the cartel to single men to help them get across the border and away from the border patrol. And so what happens is they'll get a two or three, four year old kid, bring them across the border. If they get intercepted, they'll pretend to be a family unit. If the person becomes a gotaway, then they discard the child to fend for itself. And every once in a while, you'll see a video of a two or three year old kid wandering around. They don't know whose it is. And that's one of those children who was trafficked to come across the border. And the cartels don't care about that child. They've been paid by somebody to bring that child across, but they don't care. They've got their money, and they can get more children. And so that's why it was so important to do the DNA testing was to make sure the child and adult matched up and protect the child if they did not match up with the adult. Yeah, and they're just abruptly ending the contract. It, it expires at the end of this month, so they're, they're not renewing a contract with anyone else either. So this DNA testing that is designed specifically for protecting the children, uh, I spent some time uh, rather angrily going off about this on my last show. Uh, <laughs> I guess you can tell I'm kind of bugged by it too, Richard. Uh, it, it's just – is there any – Word other than criminal. I mean, uh, there's a lot of expletives that seem like would be appropriate if it wasn't that we're on radio. Uh, and the fact that I don't like communicating in expletives, but in this particular case, they're so warranted. Uh, a lot of really, well, really bad, naughty language. Uh, but you know you, what? The other thing contract. that I like about you, Richard, uh, more so than most people that 
point out problems. You offer legitimate solutions. You've uh, been putting forward a, a three-point battle plan, if you will, Richard, battle, the battle plan. I like it. Uh, you've got this three-point plan designed to help secure the border. Uh, elaborate on that a little bit for the listeners because uh, I don't think it's anything the federal government shouldn't already be doing, right? No, it's pretty simple, and I, I'll even give you a bonus bonus plan as well. But first, the federal government tries to say the border's closed, but when they do it, it's not not wink, wink. And so the, the one thing that has to be done is we have to communicate it's closed, and then we have to tell people we're going to deport every person we intercept, period. And then we have to do it. Now, can we deport everyone? Probably not. But if we take the attitude that because we can't deport everyone, we don't deport anyone, then that means the border's wide open. So we have to deport as many people as possible. And our government's already paying money to transport people all over the country right now. So why not transport them back to their original country? Uh, We need to revert to the stay in Mexico policy. Uh, We have so much leverage over Mexico And President Trump used that beautifully to protect us, and the Biden administration basically is allowing Mexico to dictate to us what they will do unless we give them enough money. And that's costing us that Remain in Mexico program. And then a very, very important one that we've not done yet, we've got to declare the terrorists or the cartels as terrorist organizations, which will help us be able to prosecute them differently and go after them differently than the way we do currently. And if we start doing those things actively, which this administration will only do when enough Democrat politicians put pressure on them, then we can see a change in the results. Yeah. Yeah. And just to reiterate your point about having to make the effort. We saw one of the largest events of self-deportation after the election of Donald John Trump. Uh, you know, the, all the illegals were buying into the leftist hype that he was the orange man who was bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. Uh, this guy, was he was going to show up. He was going to send SWAT teams after you. Regardless, they, they believed that, and so rather than risk it, they left, and illegal border crossings dropped in a huge amount. We still had the issues because the cartels had to make their money, and that was one of the things they did. It didn't uh, stop near as much as we would have liked, but it was at some of the lowest numbers we had seen in decades, and all because they believed Donald Trump took it seriously. He made it a campaign uh, point. They believed that the American people were finally behind shutting down illegal crossing, and all it took was a serious attitude to cut the problem significantly. And then we saw that the exact opposite happened. When Joe Biden got elected and Joe Biden basically signaled, wink, wink, nod, nod, the doors are open, uh, come on in, we're rolling out the red carpet, all of a sudden we have record setting. And, And considering where we were previous to Trump taking office, setting records over the Obama administration, setting records over previous administrations before that, in particular, uh, both Clinton and George W. Uh, there was a lot of illegal crossing then. Uh, it, it's just astounding to think how much more we have. And again, uh, as you pointed out rightfully so earlier, so many of these people, they're not from the triangle. 
So many of these people are from Middle Eastern countries and now from China as well. So many of these people that are coming across when they are caught are on terrorist watch lists. These people are not coming into our country because they want a better life. They're coming here because they want to hurt Americans. Why can we not get it through the thick skulls of the Democratic National Party that compassion does not equal suicide? Well, and this should not be a partisan issue, and it's never been a partisan issue as much as it is now. And That's the sad thing, and so we need Democrats, because it's become partisan, to put pressure on their elected officials. And we have people such as the mayor of, of Del Rio, and we've got the congressman who's a Democrat from Laredo who are putting pressure on the Biden administration. But it's got to be much greater numbers doing so. Uh, another great deterrent would be to let people know there are no benefits for illegal border crossers except for a one-way plane ticket home. That's the only benefit we'll give you. Otherwise, you get zero. And if we did that, a lot of these people would be even more discouraged for coming because they hit the lottery currently. When they get here, we shower them with benefits that are much better than they have at home, which makes it worth the risk of coming. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, as is always the case with a good conversation, Richard, we have quickly expelled through uh, an <laughs> amount of time that doesn't feel like it's possible. I'd swear we just got started. But uh, obviously, I want to talk just a little bit more with you about couple other things. Number one, uh, I trust that sales for Building America by Americans, not Americans, still going strong? Made in America by Americans, not Americans, is going well. We're doing a special this month uh, from my website, richardbattle.com. All uh, books are signed, and we're giving free shipping. But if they'll email me, richard at richardbattle.com, with an inscription, uh, I am trying to get books, these books into graduates' hands. It's a great graduation gift for someone going to high school, going to college, graduating from college. Uh, so we're trying to do this to incent people to give these as graduation gifts because they're so good. Yeah. I've seen the campaign, and I, the first time I saw it, I absolutely loved the idea. We need to start taking back the uh, hearts and minds of the youth that are under so much pressure from indoctrination and the leftist mindset that wants to say, oh, everything about America is so terrible. That's where your uh, Americans Hall of Fame comes in very strongly, too. I'm loving that project of yours, too. We need more stuff like that. Uh, Richard, uh, one more time. Uh, Throw your website out there. I know you're super active on several platforms, but feel free to share any and all of your handles that you'd like on any of the platforms. And any final thoughts you want to share as well, now would be the time, sir. Well, the website is richardbattle.com. Uh, the books are available also on Amazon and other booksellers, including Kindles and audio versions as well. And it's the American do spirit, traditional values that we've grown up with and trying to reinvigorate people with hope that they can pursue their dreams. And I believe that stronger Americans make America stronger. Stronger government makes weaker Americans. And so we need to lift our children up and help them become stronger so they can stand on our shoulders and pass freedom along like our forebears broaden their shoulders so we could have the freedom they pass to us. 
All right. Again, thank you so much for everything you do, sir. I can't imagine having a better guest on than you as we go into the Memorial Day weekend. I uh, hope that you have a blessed uh, upcoming week as well as we uh, spend some time remembering those who paid the ultimate price so that we can enjoy the blessings of Americans and uh, the liberty that they bought and paid for with their blood. Uh, thank you so much again for being here. Keep up the great work, Richard, and I can't wait till we get together and talk again. Thank you so much, Tim. God bless America. All righty. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Richard V. Battle, uh, great author uh, and, you know, all-around great patriot. And if you're not following him on any of the social media platforms, get on him. I see him on almost all of them. I see him over at LinkedIn. I, I see him over at MeWe. I see him, uh, of course, on Facebook and, and just all of them. Uh, I'm getting uh, very, very dangerously close to taking uh, the hour reset break as uh, as I'm being told. I've got a two-minute maximum, and then I'll just be cut off if I don't, I don't end up there. And that's why Doug is the producer, because I would just blow right past that and be like, oops, sorry, my bad. And when you're doing a live show on multiple uh, platforms and uh, on the airwaves, the times those hard breaks have to be taken. <laughs> uh, so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, a uh, quick reminder also, Ed Brodell's uh, new book is out. I'll have a link to that in the show description for the podcast as well. Feel free to check that out. In the meanwhile, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. This is Matt Fitzgibbons from PatriotMusic.com, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. This is Tim Tapp, the ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host of Tap Into The Truth that you can hear right here, J-Star, ZMA, and the Vera Networks. Listening to Tim Tap. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you so very much as we now slide into hour number two of the Friday night live show, kicking off Memorial Day weekend. And I do hope that each and every one of you enjoys all of the blessings of liberty that have been bought and paid for by those brave men and women who donned the uniform and paid that ultimate price. If not, then... What are you waiting for? That that's that's the whole point. They they didn't die just so that they could, you know, send a flag to their family uh, when they 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 wanted you to experience liberty. They wanted you to enjoy the blessings of living free in a constitutionally federated republic for the very same thing that every other man and woman who puts a uniform on, whether they come back or not, they put it on for the benefit of all, period. So if you don't spend a little bit of time enjoying it, then you're not doing it correctly. But also... Spend the time. Spend the time remembering that price they paid. Never forget. Never forget. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am uh, honored to be joined by – is it fair, Amy, to call you a a mega fan at this point? Because I know you're normally here in the, the chat and you're normally listening in, and, and I really like the fact that you're, you're very loyal. <laughs> is, is mega fan a fair description? I would say a mega fan is a great description. All right. Well, that's good because I, I think that means I've got three now. <laughs> I, I need more mega fans. So I'm going to put you in charge of uh, helping bring the numbers up. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Miss Amy Holm, uh, she, of course, uh, is a regular listener, and she had some extra time. And we like having the second hour of the live show being a little less formal than usual. Uh, I do bring in uh, various other guests on occasion, but – you guys have noticed the format since we went back to doing live. Usually have a guest have that long form, more of a conversation where we'll hit the points. So uh, it's an opportunity. If you guys come out and get into the uh, chat room and, and become uh, active within the group, then then you too can have an hour set, set aside as long as we stay within the FCC guidelines, which is a thing that we must do. Amy, thank you so much for uh, coming on and being part of the show tonight live uh how are you this evening oh i'm doing great i'm enjoying the weather down here in florida and uh, getting ready to enjoy the memorial weekend as you know i'm a veteran myself yes uh you know i i have to ask how is it that you can feel safe in florida given the travel bans that uh, well Travel advisories. I'm sorry. I should use the right terminology. The NAACP seems to think it's dangerous for black Americans and other people of color. Uh, obviously, that doesn't describe you. But as a woman, you must also feel vulnerable in such a dangerous place, right? No, I don't feel <laughs> dangerous at all. You know, they put all these – all of that is false propaganda. Even the things about the beach being overrun by seaweeds, that's all fabricated and fake. A lot of people were just out at the beaches last weekend too 
Yeah. Uh, it's such a ridiculous thing. I I can't believe that anybody actually took it seriously, but there are people that get paid to go around and say these uh, blatant lies, and it's all because they're scared to death of the fact that quite possibly Ron DeSantis might find a way to win the primary, and they don't have anybody to counter a Ron DeSantis uh, presidential run. They just don't. Uh, he's been so successful down there. He's built on some success that was already in route, but he's done the things you need to do to do exactly that. It's easy to walk into a good situation. Uh, it's easy to walk into a situation that's already improving and take credit for it. But to not just see that momentum and ride away, but to build on that momentum, uh, it's just – it just shows you how scared they are. But uh, speaking of how scared they are and the type of insanity that these same people are involving, one of the topics I wanted to talk about tonight, and uh, I figured it's a great opportunity to just kind of uh, talk back and forth with a regular listener on the topic, is the news story that was uh, breaking uh, earlier today as more and more – Lawmakers, and I have a hard time using that term these days considering that they seem to be more interested in breaking laws and breaking the system than actually uh, trying to maintain law and order. But uh, some lawmakers in Maine are trying to build up enough momentum to back a bill that they have floating through their state house that would in fact allow 16-year-olds to receive gender hormone treatments without parental consent. It's already making its way through the uh, – State House Judiciary Committee, uh, it, they approved the piece of legislation. Uh, literally looking at people that are – while they're older, they're still technically minors. Uh, to let them undergo these life-altering, uh, no-coming-back-from uh, treatments all in the name of gender identity. Uh, so it's still part of identity politics, a, a big uh, plank in the Democratic uh, playbook. Uh, and there's no real concern about the uh, consequence. It's bad enough if somebody who's 18 to 26 decides they want to go this route because, you know, it's still something you can't come back from and you haven't given yourself a lot of time. But to let youth, to let minors uh, have this type of thing and not even have to talk to their parents, not get parental consent. How angry does it make you? Because on a scale of 1 to 10, it puts me at about 120. Well, it does actually kind of irk my buttons here a lot because I believe kids just need to be kids. And when you're 16 years old, you're still growing into your body. And they're – hormones are already out of whack and then you're going to add additional hormone treatment to them so there's going to be a lot of more mental illness going around and then there's going to be a lot of these kids don't even know who they are or what they even want to be yet they're so indecisive at that age and when it comes to being 18 i could see you making more of that type of decision but as for now leave your Leave the kids alone. Um, I kind of like what Governor DeSantis did. You know, there's no sex education till you're 13 years old because then you're growing into that stage. Your body starts changing around that time frame, too. And that's where the interests start peaking between males and females or vice versa or whoever you choose to like. But it shouldn't be forced upon or brought to their attention at such an early age. 
No, I mean, it, it just continues to be more evidence of the fact that they're they're targeting youth. They're trying to create gender confusion and even gender dysphoria where it didn't exist before. And every time they try to deny it, we turn around and we see something like what happened at Target, where there are big displays in major stores uh, emphasizing children's clothing and satanic messages and uh, tuck-friendly bathing suits. Oh, well, that was only uh, labeled uh, and only directed at adults, except that it wasn't. They were being found in the kids' sections. They were being found in kids' sizes, and they're in full-blown panic mode because they're afraid they're going to be the next Bud Light. But the fact that the quiet part is still being said loud and clear, not necessarily through their words but through their actions, it's something they've been doing for a long time. It just seems like finally we're seeing more people noticing it, and thanks to the uh, sometimes blessing, sometimes curse of social media. It's a lot harder for them to hide this when the right people get the message out uh, and get it in the hands of other people like uh, here where we're getting to broadcast and whoever's listening live and then whoever listens to the podcast later, you get exposed to it in ways that maybe you wouldn't have even just a decade ago. But it, it, it's clear they want to cause this confusion because they have one goal in mind, Amy. They want to destroy the traditional family unit because that's the last remaining thing, at least in their minds, that keeps them from having full control. They're trying to crush the Constitution. They're trying to crush religion, and they're trying to crush the family. Uh, have I missed anything, or am I wrong? <laughs> I I actually have a different theory on that, and mine more goes towards – uh, approving of the pedophilia that is going on, especially with the things at the border, the children missing at the border, the bringing them down through. They want to lower the age of consent to 13 years of age. They want to neutralize it within the transgender field, saying we're uh, minor attracted instead of saying you're an actual pedophile now. So I think it's about normalizing it and making it more uh, acceptable into society. And that's my theory on that. Well, actually, I don't see where we're disagreeing then, Amy, because, yes, that's part of it, too. It's all part of the destruction of the traditional family unit, though. I mean, how can you go about doing it? Well, if all love is just love, then okay. And we, we've been warning about the slippery slope for a long time, and they kept saying at first, oh, guys, you guys are just crazy. And then we see it every step of the way. Uh, I'm sure you probably heard uh, earlier this week or maybe it was early last week where we were talking about the U.N. report where they were basically trying to tell every country in the world, hey, you know what? Pedophilia shouldn't be criminal as long as the kid is okay with it. They were saying that the children should be – uh, able to legally uh, decide to engage in sexual conduct with adults, the insanity level uh, of just the idea 
But yes, they want to normalize pedophilia. They want to normalize gender dysphoria into an excuse to quickly go in and chemically castrate and surgically mutilate children because they know these are things that simply can't be undone once they have been done. The traumas that will be suffered as a result of anybody that actually follows these recommendations. But it is still all part of the same thing. You're not wrong. It's just that normalization is also part of the effort to bring about the end of the country. Same thing going on the southern border. We were just talking with Richard Battle, and he talked about how with it being open, they just keep bringing more people in, and they're spending dollars to move people in. And that's part of the Cloward and Pivens effect. It's all organized to try to destroy the republic as she was founded because that's a stumbling block to their control. Um, Again, uh, if you disagree, feel free to to, to do so right now. (laughs) No, I agree with you. And I capture a lot of that information um, always when I'm doing like my audio forensics or anything around that time. So you're absolutely right. All right. Well, let me take a short break right now from the conversation so I can uh, discuss uh, one of our sponsors real quick. Because, again, that's uh, helping to keep the lights turned on at the uh, Tap Hacienda. I want to talk a little bit about 4Patriots.com. These guys, uh, they're phenomenal. I got a great relationship with these folks now. I had a a conference call with Eric from 4Patriots last week. Uh, We're looking to move forward with the partnership, uh, elevating it even higher. And that has nothing at all to do with me. It has everything to do with all you guys. You're out there, you're listening, and you're visiting for Patriots, and you're using the promo code TAPP at checkout so that they realize that this show is driving a lot of business their way, but that's all you. And I want to thank you for that. And then I also want to point out to you that Not only do they promote a survival food kit that is exceptional in the business, but they also have lots of other great things that are available, things that you might not think about until all of a sudden you find yourself needing. Water purification is one of those things that pops to mind. They have some good water purification products, uh, and I just can't recommend enough that you just go check them out. Emergency backup uh, generation of uh, electricity is also vital. So whether you have a large gas-powered setup already and think you don't need that solar backup, uh, just remember if it's an extended period of time, even if you have your own gas stockpiled, it doesn't store very well for exceedingly long periods of time. And if the power's out everywhere – You're not going to be able to just easily go replenish your supplies if you're running heavy. Plus, they're noisy, and you do have to worry about the fumes. Now, if you're an expert, you know what you're doing. You set it up. The fumes are never going to be a problem for you. Great. But for a lot of folks that are new to the game, they may not know how to avoid it. Not everybody has that same level of expertise. So having solar backup power at your fingertips means, number one, as long as the sun's shining, you're going to have electricity. Number two, it's not noisy, so you're not going to be drawing a whole lot of unnecessary attention if things get really bad and you have to worry about somebody coming to try to take your stuff. And best of all, with no gas means no fumes, means no carbon monoxide poisoning. Just go visit our friends over at 4Patriots.com. Use code 
TAP, T-A-P-P, to get 10% off an order, whatever you decide you want to get. But just go visit. I, I promise you, you're going to see some things you're at least going to want to get. All right, so if you have to arrange your finances, you have to save up a little bit, if you have to wait to make the purchase, that's fine. But go visit them right now. Make your wish list, and remember to use promo code TAP at checkout. So one last time, that's the number four, patriots.com, fourpatriots.com, and then use promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, at checkout. Save yourself 10% and save yourself a lot of trouble if the stuff hits the fan. All right. Thank you, Amy, for being so patient as we went through that. Uh, obviously, what's going on in Maine is still indicative of the kind of thing that we can expect pretty much across the country when it comes to the left and their efforts to try and uh, manipulate. See, they're, they're trying to pretend as if they're really the ones standing up for the little guy, and, and they're trying to save trans youth lives. When, point of fact, they're probably doing more to endanger people's lives than anyone they're saving. But that being said, it's also the same mentality that has gotten Target in a lot of trouble. Now, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the last show, Amy, but I went over the reason why I stopped shopping at Target back in the late 80s, early 90s. I don't remember exactly when now. Uh, and that had a lot to do with the fact that they decided to stop giving religious exemptions to their employees. And then they had a sudden influx of Muslims uh, start living in the Minneapolis area. So they started giving them religious exemptions as far as not requiring their cashiers to ring up alcohol or meat products, in particular pork, uh, as a part of their religious belief. So then, in my mind, either way, Target, you can make your choice. You can either allow religious uh, accommodations or you can just not make any. But you can't just say, okay, Muslims, you're special, so we're going to give it to you. But sorry, Seventh-day Adventists who do not want to work on Saturdays and who we hired knowing you weren't going to work on Saturdays. We're, we're either going to make you work on Saturdays or you can't work for us. But it's okay the other way. I, I couldn't stand that. It was a bridge too far for me. It's like do one, do the other. Quit splitting hairs and stop uh, showing preferential treatment over one group over another. I was done with them then. But uh, what was it, five years ago, they were leading the way for transgender bathroom use. Uh, that was their policy. And then they had some uh, uh, some incidents occur in some of their restrooms, and they tried to hide it from the public, and then they tried to deny it once word got out, and they still deny it. Uh, even today, even though there's plenty of court records showing at least five separate incidents that happened across the country where women were assaulted by men wearing dresses in their restrooms. And it's just astounding to me that Target manages to keep pushing this envelope and why they have any customers at this point to be on me. But with all that being said, and I don't mean to dominate the conversation at this point, but now – this Eric Carnell, the self-described transgender artist who runs the company that came up with these satanic designs for Pride Month, the ones that Target has tried to say that, oh, well, we, we didn't even realize that was part of the group. We didn't know that was part of what was uh, included. They're clearly lying. 
uh, Eric Carnell has come forward and said they approved all the designs before we went forward. So they were aware. Somebody in a corporate office at Target, well aware of exactly what they were buying and what they were putting up. What do you, as a normal, a red-blooded American, a a, a veteran of our military – how do you feel about this obvious deception, and what do you think should happen? Well, unfortunately, we see this all across America. It's not just him promoting that Satanism. I mean, it's in the, inside the music industry. It's inside uh, the gay uh, pride parades. It's everywhere inside of magazines and even inside of Disney films as well. So the Satanism is taking away God from our families and ripping our families apart to lean one way and not another way. They want everybody to denounce God. And this is why there's so much fighting and so much hatred in this world. Um, We just need to realize that this is all propaganda that is being pushed on us. Well, I mean, yeah, we've seen plenty of woke ideology and we've seen plenty of satanic uh, push forward to, again, uh, going back to what we were talking about with pedophilia a minute ago, to normalize the idea of Satan being a merciful force in the world. But what should be uh, the actions that people take in regards to Target not only uh, allowing this stuff in, but also then clearly lying about it afterwards. Uh, is a boycott in order? Is that something we should be doing? Because ultimately, I, I think that's the real – it's the only real solution, I think. But it's not something conservatives have typically done very well because of our general feelings towards uh, the practice of conducting business. We'll kind of decide for ourselves that, okay, well, I'm not going to do business with you anymore. But the idea of organized boycotts kind of feels – anti-business. Is that an appropriate step, do you think, Uh, actual uh, boycott against Target? I think that is a great step. I think boycotting a business or company against any personal belief system is called for, Uh, especially if you want them to stop promoting those types of things. People will, major companies and corporations, they only care about the dollar sign and making uh, making their political gains. They don't care really about you. We, the people, have to stand up and show them that, look, we're your customers, and if we don't like this, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, yeah, and somehow that's been lost uh, in the current age. And again, I think it's because a lot of conservatives, like I said, we don't typically do boycotting well. Normally, we have the okay, we know you're a, a left-leaning business, but as long as you provide the goods and services I need at a price that's reasonable, then I will do business with you uh, to a point. Uh, Whereas leftists, of course, they're all about boycotts on everything. They try and bring down companies that they've never spent a penny on before, which is part of what really kind of bugged me about the whole Bud Light thing is they've been over backwards to try to accommodate a group of people that typically do not make up a very large swath of their actual customer base. And this whole notion of, hey, what business are you in? Just go do that. 
it seems to be lost. They would be so much better off if they would just stay neutral. There was a time when that's what you were taught in business school. Uh, don't let your personal feelings get in the way of doing business. Don't let activists from outside the squeaky wheels that are ordinarily much smaller in numbers than what they're going to sound like push you into policy that – is going to hurt you with your actual customer base. That used to be common sense, but the the scary part now, it, there seems to be a legitimate reason why some of these businesses that aren't as woke as they appear are still having to play the woke game, and that has to do with their uh, DEI scores. And a lot of the financial, uh, with a lot of global influence, uh, the financial institutions out there are refusing to make credit available for companies that don't have a high DEI score. And then, of course, the uh, the other big scoring uh, agency that makes a big part of it is when you're looking at your governance and your social media and your sustainability scores. Uh, but the DEI score is really a major component of that, too. I've heard from people that don't want to go on the record because they're involved with companies that are in this position, and they don't want to ding their company or potentially lose their job. But I've been told by people that are fairly high up, not the top C-level folks, but – fairly high up in middle management that, yeah, they, they're enslaved by this because they can't get the operational capital they need through these financial institutions without playing this game. So how besides a boycott do we drive this point home? Because I think Target uh, Target has its own issues. They're woke enough. You need to, to spank them, teach them the lesson. Same thing with the Anheuser-Busch folks. Teach them the lesson. Make sure they learn it. Put the fear of God into these other companies that are kind of on the fence. But what do you say to a company that legitimately needs the finances to stay in business but has to play the game? Is there an answer to that? I, I don't believe there really is an answer to that because you can't have it both ways. If you're trying to play a game, then you're going to get hit with the ball. So if your consumers are not the ones that are happy with that game playing, then the consumers are going to disappear and you're going to lose money either way. Yeah. yeah, it's just a question of mitigating what's going to lose you the most money. But if you're a legitimate a business where, I don't know, let's say that you're manufacturing a food product, uh, some type of confection, for example, uh, let's say a candy bar. Okay, you have orders for $2 million, but you're not going to be able to uh, hit on accounts receivable until uh, June 15th. The problem is in order to make payroll uh, at the end of May – you're going to need uh, $15,000 to finish off uh, meeting payroll that you don't have at that moment because everything's tied up in inventory. So then that's where your line of credit comes in handy to keep yourself in business. That financial institution uh, handling your line of credit, they're going to be thinking, okay, well, I see that you have these accounts uh, payable. I, I see that you have this check coming in from these viable sources. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they see that you're going to have the money. So it's a no-brainer on the loan. 
They know they're going to get the money. They're going to be able, even if they don't get the full amount that's owed on time, they're definitely going to be able to cover that 15000 to get them through payroll that they need that flexibility for. But if that same financial institution says, we can't do business with you unless these scores are high enough, unless you have a certain breakdown of so many people of color and a certain breakdown of uh, so many people of gender expression. Uh, the only thing that I can think of is you have to spank these financial institutions as well. I think there has been a lot of pushback to groups like BlackRock. That needs to continue. But is there any other solution that from a common sense point of view that you would see from, from where you're at that you think would help with that? Well, that's where investors come into play, because if you don't have that credit score with inside the banking system to actually gain that loan that you need in order to adapt, the investors have to come in and support you. And that's where you can expand and uh, do double the amount of production, change up your scenery or machinery. So a company has to make those decisions on how to expand and how to keep that revenue afloat with inside the banking systems. Right. Well, that's that's a great idea if it's available. And, and given the age of crowdfunding for businesses, that also would be very handy. But at the same time, it may take the kind of time to make those things happen that still gets it sticky. Yeah, it doesn't seem that there's really a good, honest, clear, easy response that would allow these businesses to just say, no, thank you. But at the same time, yeah, I, I think that your solution may actually be the only one that would really solve the problem. So, again, great thinking, Amy. I'm <laughs> glad we've got you on here. All right, uh, let's get ready to take the mid-hour uh, break as we are creeping up to that time very, very quickly. But before we do that, real quick, one more time, let me remind you about our friends over at Gold Co. Uh, yeah, that's right. We know right now the Biden administration is desperately trying to make your dollars worth zero or actually probably less than zero if they had their way. Why? Because they believe in modern monetary theory. Uh, they believe in uh, digital currency that they can turn on and off at their whims, regardless of what you want to spend it on. Uh, they believe in a lot of bad things. But you know what's never been worth zero? Gold. So what's a great way to protect your wealth going into retirement or just protect your wealth? for financial security period, uh, buying gold or silver or other precious metals. And you know who can help you with that? Yeah, you guessed it, our friends over at Gold Co. Go ahead and give them a call at 855-387-2932, and you can learn the three simple steps that you can use right now to protect your savings with gold, silver, and, yes, other precious metals as well. Take action today. Protect yourself. Protect your family from financial collapse. Do it before Joe Biden comes rolling in, backs right up in your driveway and sticks Hunter out the back with a little bag saying, fill it up, please. Uh, if you don't think it'll happen, look, he's been running the scheme all across the world. Eventually, they're not going to be given access to some of these foreign countries. He's got no other place to go then. Do it now. Take full advantage of the opportunities, and if you give them a call, you can also learn how you could get up to $10,000 in bonus silver while those supplies last. One more time, give them a call at 855-387-2932. By calling that number, 
they'll know I sent you. So, uh, you know, what are you waiting for? And, Doug, what are you waiting for? Let's take that mid-hour break. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Hey, Joe. My name's Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's husband. Thank you. Thank you, George. I'm so tired of trickle-down economics. And I never found that trickle-down on top of my head very much. I was listed, I was had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had not making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think he should make me Perhaps the greatest NFL football player to ever grace the gridiron, the Cleveland Browns' Jim Brown, who was a man who thought for himself and stuck to his beliefs and evolved into a much better man unlike many of his contemporaries or today's sellouts like Colin Kaepernick or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Everest Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee, Jim Brown was never a sellout or a compromiser when it came to important societal issues. He wasn't a civil rights activist, but he fought against authentic racism, but never grew to hate the United States or desecrate the flag. Jim Brown refused to become a poster boy for Democrat Party shenanigans, which he pointed out were and continue to be dreadfully harmful to both the black community and our nation overall. Mr. Jim Brown epitomized the kind of strong masculinity America now rejects and labels as toxic. He died at 87 years of age, leaving behind a legacy of greatness on and off the football field. He wasn't phased by the cruel treatment he received for meeting with Donald Trump because he realized that Trump meant business concerning his desire to improve and strengthen America for all of we the people. Rest easy, Mr. Jim Brown, for though you are gone, you will never be forgotten. I'm Ron Edwards. Until we meet again on the next page from the Edwards Notebook, bye now. These stocks are designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, but the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. 
Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons of PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, we hope to see you soon. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Matt Fitzgibbons. This is Amy Hallam. This is AZ. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are indeed sharing Friday night together as we slide headfirst into Memorial Day weekend. Glad to have you here along for the ride and glad to have uh, an additional guest joining us uh, as we finish this last half hour together. Uh, Always an honor and a pleasure to get to speak with him. And now he's joining us at the conversation along with Amy as she will continue on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show of the founder of PatriotMusic.com. As I have said several times, and I feel like I mean it more every time I say it, a phenomenal musician, a great historian, an all-around great guy, and proud to call him friend, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mr. Matt Fitzgibbon as well. Matt, thank you so much for uh, not only uh, hopping in to listen, but now taking part in the conversation, too, as we uh, enter the holiday weekend. Good evening, Tim. Always a pleasure to be on board. Good evening, Doug. Good to uh, good to join you guys this evening. All right. Well, it's always fun to have you here. Uh, before we uh, get into uh, the conversation topic, I do need to talk about one uh, more time our uh, great sponsor, Vanish Holster. Uh, you know why they're such a great uh, sponsor? Because they know exactly who their customer base is, and uh, they're not afraid to, you know, focus on you. All right, so here's the deal. As I've said several times now already, and I will stand by this mostly because I kind of came up with this part on my own, that is that as a listener to this show, you are well aware of the fact that the fastest path to becoming a victim of tyranny is to give up your guns. Uh, One of the quickest ways to become a victim of crime is to not have your firearm on you when you need it. And... That's why I have to talk to you about one of the biggest mistakes that gun owners like myself 
have been known to make, and I have made this particular mistake too. We go out, we find a holster, we think we're going to love it, uh, then we try to wear it, and it's so uncomfortable that maybe we last a couple of weeks before we give up on it. Maybe not even that long, because like the last holster I got for uh, for my little twenty two of all things when I was trying to carry it out and when I was doing some garden work, you know, out here in Tennessee, <laughs> we spend some time out there where we need a snake gun. <laughs> it's just that simple. And the holster was horrible. I loved the little gun. The holster was horrific. I would rather carry the thing in my pocket, and anybody who's done that knows that that's crazy. So anyway, the point being, if you're in a situation, if that terrible moment happens where you have to defend yourself or your family or your neighbors and you don't have your firearm on you, well, you're already at a huge disadvantage. And that's a big reason why Vanish holsters are quickly becoming one of the most popular holsters in America. They've got thousands of customers that are swearing to the fact that it is, in fact, the most comfortable holster ever. And several of those same customers say that if you get one, you'll never stop carrying. The holster saves you a lot of money, too, because... It's designed to fit 99% of all semi-auto handguns. It works without a tactical belt. You can carry two fully loaded magazines along with your firearm. And the best part, as far as that comfort's concerned, you can carry it in multiple positions. It's a big, big selling point there. You're not happy with one way? You can try another way. It works great. Now, here's the real kicker. As a listener to Tap Into the Truth, you can get $50 off a purchase with them. All you have to do is go over to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P to activate that $50 discount. If you go do that right now, you can multitask. You can have your Vanish holster on its way to you before the end of the show. One more time, that's www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Go do it right now while you get to hear this entertaining, insightful, and informative, and all-around great conversation that you're about to hear. I hope I didn't oversell that, guys. All right, so here we are. Uh, Matt's just joining in. Uh, Amy has been with us for a little bit, and I wanted to transition to what's going on with the Dodgers. So love getting uh, the thoughts as far as this is concerned for you guys because the Los Angeles Dodgers kind of found themselves in this unique position. Uh, They, of course, were following the traditional woke uh, religious June sacred for Pride Month event. And they came to realize that, hey, you know, the thing about being in Los Angeles is we have a large Hispanic population. So we got a lot of Hispanic folks who, you know, just statistically speaking, tend to have a large Catholic uh, population amongst them uh, that were Dodger fans. And they realized that maybe it was problematic to have these uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence group, which is nothing more than a uh, Catholic hate group. Uh, they focus on Catholicism. I don't think they're big fans of Christianity of any kind, but it's a Catholic hate group. Uh, they just happen to dress and drag and hide behind this notion of being part of the uh, embrace diversity uh, mentality. Dodger said, okay, uh, we shouldn't have you here. 
after uh, less than a week of a lot of loud, squeaky wheels, uh, they not only reversed that decision, but they decided they're going to give them an award. So now Catholic bishops have started saying, okay, guys, we need to organize a boycott against the Dodgers. Now, we were talking just a few minutes ago with uh, Amy about is it appropriate to boycott Target over their little kapapple? Uh, I came out in a most recent broadcast saying that, yes, we need to boycott the Dodgers and not all of Major League Baseball, even though most of Major League Baseball plays the same game. They will come out and say, if you if you do this to all the teams, that this didn't have anything to do with the other. It was just part of a major decline. We need to send the example of that's what we're going to do. Now, with that having been said, love to get your thoughts. And since uh, Matt is new to uh, the uh, show, uh, well, not new, but new to this hour, we'll let Matt start. Your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, yeah, we're seeing a lot of this sort of a thing, you know, different iterations of it everywhere. But I think one of the fundamental issues is that uh, the American citizenry is uh, very tribal. People live in these little bubbles of, of their own. I think marketing departments and such are months behind. You know, they haven't gotten word about what's going on with Bud Light. I'm not a particular fan of the Catholic Church, you know, given much of what it's done. and was born and raised a Catholic and uh, haven't been for many, many, many decades, um, have nothing against Catholics, but I, I, I do agree with you that it's important to boycott the Dodgers for making this kind of a decision. I think we have to send a signal. Um, I'm not thrilled about being on the side of the Catholic Church in this situation, right? Yeah. But... Um, Target, for example, um, Bud Light. I mean, you've probably got a long list of these uh, organizations that are trying to ram their values, in quotes, down our throats, right? So, yeah, boycott is uh, it's a it's a peaceful, sometimes effective way of doing things. So, okay. Yeah, uh, I just think conservatives in the whole would tend to not be that great at boycotting. Uh, I, I do think that the Catholic Church in particular has tended to lean more towards uh, some of the leftist ideologies, uh, especially in recent decades, particularly when it comes to uh, open border policy, for example, things like that. So it kind of feels like a case, once again, of the left kind of eating their own. But uh, again, I, I do think that if we do a wider protest, if we do the wider boycott, then they'll find an excuse to pretend like they don't know what the real cause was. Uh, Amy, uh, anything you'd like to add into what we've said so far, or do you have a different take entirely? Well, I think some of these companies are just doing the in-now thing, and they're trying to follow a trend, and it's biting them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like now wherever you go if it's if it's a store a retail store grocery store even uh, it doesn't matter if it's part of a chain that operates in more than one state then they seem almost obliged to pretend like the entire month should literally have rainbows just spewing everywhere and unfortunately it's not uh, the rainbow that was a promise to Noah to never flood the world again. It's the rainbow that's supposed to represent pride in something that really is 
your business should be your business. Please don't make it my business. That's your sexual orientation. Unless I'm personally engaged with you, I not only have no business knowing what your orientation is, I don't particularly want to. Uh, because I don't particularly want you involved in my bedroom. I remember a time when that used to be the argument of, well, you shouldn't have laws against this, that, or the other, because what we do in our bedroom is none of your business. And now it's like, well, now, not only is it your business what we're doing uh, in our bedroom, it's your business what we're doing in the streets during this parade, because they're doing things now publicly that they never used to do. And to see organizations like the Los Angeles Dodgers, have to learn this the hard way, it feels almost like a intentional disconnect from their actual base. It's like they forget who their customers are. As, again, the same thing can be said for almost every other company we've been talking about recently. But again, uh, Matt, uh, well, this this is an iceberg. You know, ultimately, th- these issues are very important, and boycotting can be effective. But I think what most of us recognize is that literally this is the tip of the iceberg because much of what they do and much of, of what's been boycotted, for example, you know, Bud Light sending a couple of sa- sample cans to a tra- transgender person – This represents a bigger issue, which is um, the left's attempt to normalize this through legislation and worse, to go after people through things like, uh, uh, you know, hate speech, hate crime laws and other things. So it's not so much about what it appears to be in these individual incidents, but that we know what's coming because we're also aware of the other things that they're doing. So this is kind of the public face of going after anyone who disagrees with it, which is why it's important to be preemptive. Yeah. Uh, very good point. Uh, Amy, anything you want to add to that? Well, a lot of it, we already have laws in place for against discrimination and hate speech in general, too. A lot of it, it's also about adding additional rules to strip us away from our constitutional rights. It's all about control, control through the media, control and census of the families. Yeah. Well, again, uh, good point. Uh, again, I still keep coming back to whenever we hear the, the phrasing hate speech used, I immediately cringe. And it it has everything to do with the fact that if you're framing something as hate speech, that means somebody had to arbitrarily decide what qualifies and what doesn't. And it means that it's somewhere down the line you are, in fact, ignoring our right to speak freely without fear of political reprisal because if it's popular speech, it doesn't need protecting. There's also another there's also another component to this whole notion of hate speech. We can generally watch these things as they come out of Europe like so much political crap has over the last century. Um they're going to use it as a weapon um, in a legal sense in order to add additional crimes. And the fundamental problem with this philosophically is that you then have juries and most often you know, judges or magistrates who um, – or lawyers essentially sitting in as judges – who then will determine what they believe was on the mind of the person at the time. 
I mean, that's ridiculous. Government has has no business getting involved to this level. So you could create two totally different scenarios, say, white on black, black on white, right? Whatever the case may be. And with identical, absolutely identical facts. And in one case, someone could get an additional charge simply because the court believed that they were thinking something racist at the time. It's it's totally against our entire judicial system. Yeah, and, and there's two really good examples of exactly what you're saying that popped to mind. Number one, when Donald Trump was president and he was trying to improve our vetting process for uh, people that were coming into the country, uh, he tried to put a travel ban, which actually wasn't even a ban. It was a restriction, but of course we all called it a ban because that was the popular thing. And again, they tried to have a court rule against its use because he was supposed to be racist. When even the attorneys attacking uh, the travel restriction admitted that should Hillary Clinton had been elected and she was trying to implement a similar restriction, that it would have been completely within the powers of the presidency. So if you admit that the duly elected president of the United States has the power to do this legally, then what changes? Well, because of what was in his mind. That's one good example. And another example that a lot of people really need to pay close attention to, what's the difference between a bunch of uh, peaceful protesters in a place like Portland burning down a courthouse, burning down a federal building, attacking a police station in the name of St. George Floyd, uh, as opposed to people that walk in aimlessly roaming about and, yes, trespassing technically by legal definition of the U.S. Capitol building on a certain January 6th. Uh, both of them treated very differently, and again, because of what they presume are in the hearts and minds of the perpetrators. And I'll add one other thing, too, and let's not forget that in some cases, um, and I hope you don't, I don't know what networks you're on, if this is going to get you a strike, and I, I apologize ahead of time, I'll buy you a beer if I get you one, but uh, the plus can also stand for um, pedophilia and bestiality. Among their ranks are some really sick individuals. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, Amy, let me get you uh, chiming in again, too, here real quick. Well, a lot of that is upholding the law. They are picking and choosing what laws they want to uphold and which ones they don't want to uphold. And laws are created so we all follow the rules and regulations. You can't have favoritism in them, and that's calling, causing a lot of divisiveness. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason why uh, Lady Justice is depicted wearing a blindfold. Uh, preferential treatment is not supposed to exist. And what makes it even worse right now is the fact that in so many cases we have people that are justifying being racist against one group of people because of racism that another group has experienced sometime in the past, even though they themselves are not really facing uh, true racism. Uh, it's it's a scary slope, and, and we're already down it. I mean, that's where we're at. We're no longer on the slippery slope. We're getting pretty close to the bottom of that uh, hill. And we're picking up a lot of speed. We need to hit the air brake somewhere real quick. Uh, and we we don't have much time left to, to use the, the Constitution as the air brake is supposed to be. And so few people that are currently holding an elected office still believe that it's a binding document. So if, if, go ahead. And if we're going to be honest, 
if we're going to be honest, the real target of all this stuff is white, straight Christian males. That's the real truth. Yeah. Yeah, which actually brings me uh, back to wanting to remind everyone also one more time, there will be a link in the show description for the podcast. Ed Brodell's new book, It Is Out. It is The War on Whites, How Racism Against White People Became a National Sport. And, and I really want you to not only check it out, but also look at that front cover of that book. Look at a little blurb at the top. There's a reason why I'm wanting to send you that way. Uh, spoiler, uh, he actually chose a blurb that I uh, sent in when I uh, had reviewed it real quick. So, yay. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it does leave us in this position where we clearly see this. So what is our solution? Uh, we've only got a, a, a few minutes left, so I want to give both of you a chance to offer up uh, an idea here. I'm thinking at this point about the only uh, recourse we have that's legit is maybe a convention of states. Uh, and just to take the ability of our currently held uh, legislative bodies to – find workarounds, just take that ability away from them and uh, stop pretending like they have more power than they do. But uh, again, we'll start with Matt. Uh, what would be your solution? Well, I mean, I'm doing what I can do, right? Um, you know, with the music and uh, the other thing that uh, we'll announce relatively soon. And uh, I write articles periodically, but uh, in terms of generally, uh, I would say just make Make sure that you're talking about this. You know, read up on every issue that you you find, um, and I'm referring to all your listeners so that they can educate their friends and their family and talk about it. But you know, don't don't be offensive. Uh, be neutral and objective and peaceful and kind, and remind people that these values of tolerance um, that our republic uh, is based on is the reason why we're so successful. These are simple but timeless principles, and that's what we need to stay focused on. Okay, Amy? Well, I agree um, with Matt over there, but also we have to, me being a veteran and a lot of the work that I do, we need to get these guys out of office. We need to do mass arrests. We need to be able to gain back our system and control it. And it needs, the power needs to come back to the people. Okay. Well, again, that, that kind of circles back around to where I was saying the convention of states. I, I think that's about the uh, the most surefire way to accomplish that. And there's a few things that we need to accomplish in short order. Uh, we need to get a balanced budget amendment in place, and we need to uh, put term limits on every elected office. If we can do both those things and make sure those terms are reasonable uh, – I, for one, think that three terms in the House and two terms as a senator is probably as long as anybody ought to hold those jobs. Uh, agree or disagree, uh, I'm certainly opening to, open to hearing uh, any ideas and moving forward. Uh, we're going to do something a little different uh, as long as uh, both guests are currently okay with it. We're going to have to close down hour number two and say goodbye to our listeners at the K-Star Talk Radio Network. But on Vera Network… We've got access 
for a little bit longer. So I'm thinking we can continue this conversation for just a few minutes more. Uh, so we'll go ahead and do the regular shutdown for the folks we've got to say goodbye to. And I'll encourage you, K-Star listeners, if you can't go uh, to the last frequency or to the Vera Network right away, then please look up the podcast for the remainder of the conversation after the fact. We're easy to find. Uh, just look me up on social media. You won't have a hard time doing it. Uh, so, since we're going to say our goodbyes to the K-Star folks, remember, don't take our word for it. Not any one of us that you're hearing right now, but definitely don't take those guys' word for it either. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. We're saying goodbye for now, but we're not just yet. Bye. Happy Memorial Day weekend, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Overtime here at Tapping to the Truth. We are still live on the last frequency. We're still live on ZMA Radio. So you guys are getting a little extra time here at Tapping to the Truth. And best part, it's for free. We're going to continue the conversation a little bit with uh, our second hour guest, Miss Amy Holum, and of course, Mr. Matt Fitzgibbons. Uh, you guys. Uh, great guest and happy to have you guys along for the ride. And the thing about good conversation is it always, always goes way too fast, which is why it's awesome to be able to do a little bit of overtime. Now, one of the things you guys may not know, you listeners out there, is that normally after the Friday night live show, we'll do a little bit of what we call the after party. Uh, we kind of get together, hang out, and talk a, a little more uh bluntly uh, than you would be allowed to do over the airwaves, the FCC regulations. We're not going to do that here because we still want to make sure that Zinc Media and that uh, our, our fine folks with the last frequency don't face any uh, fallbacks because we're being uh, – what, what's a good word here? Brutally honest. Uh, so so we will maintain radio-friendly conversation at this point. But we're going to continue uh, pretty much right where we left off. We're really dominating the idea of conservative boycotts and how we should move forward. And we're talking about the fact that now the Catholic Church seems to be ready to fight back against the L.A. Dodgers and what they've done and what's clearly an anti-Catholic uh, move. I mean, it, there's no other way to, to put it. Uh, it's literally a hate group in drag uh, that uh, the uh, ladies of perpetual indulgence, which, you know, a great name, right? Uh, it's what they're doing. But as Matt expressed, you know, he has a hard time coming down and having to defend 
the Catholic Church. Now, that's a position I found myself in before, too. I, I have often found myself having to say a nice thing about AOC or, or having to, to say, oh, my gosh, uh, this time uh, Dick Durbin may actually be right. Now, granted, it hasn't happened too often. <laughs> but when it does happen, I find myself kind of scratching my head and feeling a little dirty. And so it, it is a real situation. Things that the Catholic Church has done on whole have been horrific. Uh, the oh, that's a terrible I've... pun, Tim. <laughs> I thought you said you were going to keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> but the point being here is these attacks aren't just on the church proper you know the church is the institution it isn't an attack on literally every american that follows that faith and even anybody that's not an american uh, by the way it just they think you're an idiot for having uh, this belief and a lot of this while they're focused on the catholics it's really all christian faith that they hate it's an issue to them and and it just it really irritates me that there seems to be so little uh, pushback against this. So what we're seeing now is actually some folks trying to push back, and that, to my mind, is a good thing. But we'll let Amy go first this time. And uh, Amy, of course, ladies first here. What exactly, from your point of view, do you think would be an appropriate pushback? Is this a case where we should be really rooting for the Catholic Church, or should we begrudgingly join them because— of our uh, support of fellow America of faith, or is this maybe something that we should just let them fight it out and we stay out of? Well, I think that's a hard decision to make because a lot of the pushback you, we mentioned the Catholic church, but really it's about Christianity and believing in God altogether um, because of what that group represented. So the religious faith, no matter what your belief system, should kind of fight back against the Dodgers because they're going, once again, that satanic route. Yeah. Matt? Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. I was uh, I had my mute button down. So here's my issue. I understand the old proverb, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I totally get it. But for me, from a philosophical, a pure political perspective, you know, from America's founding principles, collectivism is my issue. Right, whether it be fascism, socialism, communism, or the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church is collectivist; it always has been. So it is an eternal enemy of America's, you know, founding principles. I'm not saying Catholics are. That's the old question that came up when JFK was running for the presidency, right? And he said he'd be clear to the Constitution. I think he was, and you could argue they killed him for it. But not not the Catholic Church, but he was killed for it. But I think that as we support the Catholic Church, we have to remember some things. Where were they, for example, when the rest of us were aware of this uh, designer brand by Satanists being featured in Target, right? There's many examples. They've got a giant wall around the Vatican, and yet they're, they're complaining about us, you know, um, and they want us to have open borders. Uh, there's, there's so much hypocrisy with the church. Ultimately, it's an aristocracy, right? We can go on and on and on and on and on. But my point is that if we're gonna if we're gonna defend them in this case, which I think we should, I think it's got to come with a part two, which is to say why we're defending them. 
Right. See what I mean? It's very yeah. important to include both those concepts as a package deal because in many respects, they are also the enemy, to me, of individual liberty because they're a collectivist organization. Could I say something? Usually the Catholic Church also doesn't step in until they're trying to push their own personal agenda. Yeah, that's true too. Well, you're right, Amy, but here's the other thing. Um, either either pushing their own agenda or if the attack is exclusively or particularly about them, right? But do we do we see them defending our causes? No. So I agree. I agree with Tim. I think that we do need to, you know, rise up and, and, and state that we do support them in this case, but I think we have to also be clear as to why. Yeah. I would also like to see some level of acknowledgement that they have been missing from the fight when it comes to other people of faith, different faith, when they've been under similar or even worse attack. I mean, you Agreed. have – you have Christians uh, in other parts of the world that literally risk death, and I, I hear lip service from the Vatican, but I very rarely see them, especially in countries like Ethiopia, where they have a strong presence, where they could do more than just um, uh, mention it briefly in a speech, and they refuse to do so. They, so they really do need to step up and be more universal rather than just preach peace and coexistence and actually uh, stand up for what the Bible says, because that is supposed to be their claim to fame. Uh, I wanted to switch gears one more time, because there is another topic that I haven't really had much of a chance to talk about, and I really want to, and I think you guys would both be great to talk about it with, so I'm going to take advantage of it while I've got you. Ron DeSantis is officially in the presidential race. Everybody's assuming it's a two-way race. A lot of people were giving uh, DeSantis grief over this failed launch thing, over the fact that there was so much glitching going on at the Twitter space. I've heard all kinds of rumors and innuendo and conspiracy theory that maybe some of the Twitter insiders were still trying to sabotage uh, Elon and embarrass him like this, which was part of the cause there. Uh, but with all that pushed to the side, I really don't feel like it's that big of a deal that it was so glitchy. I know the perception's bad, but I also look at it from the standpoint of a host who has had a ton of technical glitches over the years. So I know that, yeah, I'm just more forgiving of it, I suppose. But I would love to get both your guys' uh, impressions of the launch speech, how that played, and how you guys feel about the fact that now – the important names in the uh, room when it comes to pushing forward towards a presidential selection uh, all seem to be at play. And we'll probably get one or two more people join, but I don't know that anybody else is really going to have much impact other than to help dilute the the folks who might have a chance to challenge those top uh, two. Uh, again, we'll uh, do ladies first. Uh, Amy, uh, your thoughts about uh, the Twitter Spaces event and uh, how you feel about the race to this point? Um, well, coming from the state of Florida, it could be little one-sided. Everybody thinks they're a Ron DeSantis fan. I kind of lean both ways. I like a little bit of, of his policies. Um, some of them I do not agree with at all. Uh, there are even times that with 
um, that he even created a law so he could run for president and be governor at the same time. So that, in my eyes, was a little disconcerting because if he's willing to create laws and manipulate the system, what else is he willing to do inside of the presidency as well? As for the whole Elon Musk, there's a lot of IT technology. Governor DeSantis is a big, huge fan of um Neuralink and Starlink technology systems with inside the state of Florida. And I know kind of the evilness that goes on with the Starlink side. So for me to be excited about him running, I think he should stay in our governor position for now and at least finish what he's doing inside of our state. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a reasonable uh, position too. Uh, I did uh, I think it's important to mention also at this point, since you brought up Neuralink, that the FDA approved uh, human trials finally. So that's moving forward. And I am way more concerned about Neuralink than I was about uh, Starlink, but uh, still, still both very valid points. Thank you, Amy. Uh, Matt, uh, what did you think about the Twitter Spaces launch and uh, your feeling about uh, him entering officially? Yeah, again, I agree with you. I'm sorry if I'm not all that interesting this evening, but I agree with you that the glitches, there's not enough evidence for me to suggest that there's a there there. But I will say that Ron DeSantis has one fundamental problem, and that is, um, you know, no one in Florida will vote for him for president because um, they all want to keep him as their governor. (laughs) You know, it's the truth. They don't want to let him go. Talk to people in Florida. You know, so many people love him there that uh, they kind of don't want to lose him. But the other thing is um, you can't have this conversation without talking about Donald Trump, I mean, ultimately. But I I, I won't take a deep dive on this. I'll just simply say there's a difference between – from our constitutional perspective, um, what governors can do and what presidents can do. So we know Donald Trump. We know what he's been through. No president in American history has ever, ever had to deal with the kind of rabid corruption that he has. Um, so he's an attack dog right now. He's that guy that can walk into your corner bar that's been taken over by, you know, nasty people and walk in and kind of Clint Eastwood style bang some heads together and clean things up. That's at least the optics that he wants to portray nationally. As Amy alluded to, DeSantis is a question mark because we, we've got a, a, a history on him as a governor, but that's quite different from uh, the federal government. Yeah. Well, you know, and some of the other things, too, I think, come into play. He does have some connections that most of conservatives find questionable. He is more of a uh, establishment kind of guy, but he's ridiculously efficient at, at actual governing, and he's capable of doing a lot of what most Republicans think of as the better qualities of Trump, uh, mixing it up with the press, uh, being able to stand up and uh, well articulate his uh, standing points and and forcing folks to kind of go along unless they explain why and they have to explain in clear terms. Uh, DeSantis has that capability. That's also one of the things that Trump's really good at. But at the same time, he doesn't have that outsider mentality that Trump still kind of gets to claim. 
Uh, Trump is the ultimate outsider because even when he was in office for four years, half of the Republican Party hated him, the entirety of the press, the entirety of the Democrats. And we still see the Democrats would much rather have Trump as that opponent because they still have it in their head that he's easier to beat. And, and maybe maybe some crazy way that might be true just because of the independent voting blocks out there that still get hung up a lot on the mean tweets. Uh, so that's a place where Ron might have an advantage uh, pulling across those independents nationwide. But there's still so many things. I personally think Donald Trump will win the nomination. I think Ron DeSantis is laying the groundwork for a future run and may become a, a very good future president. But at the same time, I think the more interesting parts of the race is what's going to happen outside of those two. Uh, we see Vivek uh, now surging in polls. Now, he's never going to get anywhere close to these other two. But he may have just established himself as the top pick for VP. Uh, we know that Nikki Haley was really just trying to get a VP slot when she announced. I mean, she's practically all but said it. Uh, we have a few other folks. That I, I think Tim Scott brings good energy uh, to the uh, to the field, and I think he allows us to, uh, as conservatives, uh, show. Uh, in a very hard-to-dispute level that, guess what, the Republican Party is not just a bunch of old white guys who don't care anything about minorities. Uh, it, it provides a better picture. Uh, so now, I, if we had a, a Trump and Ron DeSantis ticket, it would be a clean sweep. Possibly. I, I really think right now, though, that Donald has probably already taken enough cheap shots before DeSantis even officially got in that it'd be very difficult to to bridge that gap. I, I, I don't think uh, there's enough time to, to mend the wounds that are but there. But that's kind of politics too, isn't it? Because Kamala Harris was shooting down Biden and he still picked her as her VP. Well, a different situation there, though. I doubt that Joe Biden even remembered those debates. By the time yeah, he, he, he just simply course. misread a teleprompter a few times. Donald Trump can be mean. Yeah, it, it really just comes down to some of the things that he's already said, and the fact that Donald Trump is literally attacking from the left. I mean, I have a strong distaste for that. That I, I really, really do. I don't like taking up the standing uh, flag bearer of leftist organizations to attack a fellow Republican. You've got enough legitimate campaign material. Uh, keep your powder dry and use the legit stuff, and let's remember that the Democrats are the enemy. But if you're going to go personal, like I, I just don't think Donald can help himself, at least don't go to the left. Because that was what always scared me when he first ran. He seemed more like a Democrat willing to put on Republican clothing to win based on his history. I have no doubt he loves America. I have no doubt that he thinks he's doing what is best for the country either. I honestly believe that. But when you look at the things he said in all the years previous to that and how he uh, managed to be so successful, he greased a lot of wheels. He worked with a lot of Democrats. He was a hero amongst them. So there was a lot of concerns until we saw him actually uh, govern. I really, really was nervous about him as a selection, I, and I was open to giving him the chance to try because I knew literally a stalk of broccoli would have been better than Hillary Clinton. But when he does things like that, 
it again makes me feel like, okay, what principles are you actually attached to, Donald? Uh, are you more about just bashing heads and I don't know, swinging in on a vine and clubbing somebody than actually trying to stand on a principle? I see those things and I get worried. Now, again, that's not me saying I don't want Trump to win. That's not me saying I don't want Trump to be the guy because I do think he has the best chance of making the most impact against the swamp. But at the same time, I still want a guy that believes in the Constitution, believes in liberty, and wants to reestablish and reset so that everyone can enjoy liberty. We hope that's the case. But, you know, Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment was thou shalt not speak ill of any fellow Republican. Democrats are really good at doing that. And uh, the Republicans have traditionally really stunk at it. Um, But, you know, and that's a problem. Trump always punches down, and it's bad optics for a general election. But I would say that the problem is in two components. There's now, and then there's the Republican nomination, because these are two different periods. So, you know, once that nomination comes, I think many people who may have small differences of opinion, like I'm sure many of your listeners are big Trump supporters. I was really pleasantly surprised by a lot of his policies, but I wish he didn't punch down. There's no no need for a president, in my opinion, right, to go out of his way to make comments about Eminem or um, uh, what's the one on the, the one on the view? I'm sorry, I can't remember her name now. Um, like that stuff just isn't necessary. But if he gets the nomination, we're kind of in triage mode as a republic. Um, I think a lot of people will vote for him. I don't really think we have to worry too much, not to the extent that the left would would want us to believe if he got the nomination, because I think there's plenty of time between now and then to reach a lot of people now that the Hunter laptop, you know, uh, whole thing can't be buried as successfully. For example, there's evidence uh, that Congress is uh, producing regarding outright bribery schemes, not just with the Biden family and the rumor of the big man, but with the president himself. So anyway, that's my take on it is one, he's breaking Reagan's 11th commandment. I don't like that. Would I deal with it if he got the nomination? Sure, no problem. But um, there's good reason to believe as the months go on, as we get closer to November, right, that uh, next November, that uh, a lot of people will know what was done to him. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a lot harder, like you said, to to keep all of that suppressed. More and more of it's coming out every day. You still have this ridiculous reconning. I mean, everything's being retconned. I mean, it's almost like American politics has become a comic book. Uh, you got Corinne Jean-Pierre literally out there saying that we've been negotiating from the beginning when it comes to the debt ceiling thing, where they spent every minute of the last two months talking about how there would be no negotiation. But before we delve off into anything else, I do still want to give Amy a chance to to respond over what we had just talked about. Well, I mean, Trump Trump also has a lot of downfall, too, with everything inside the court cases that have been going on. He lost a lot of his supporters on that end. On the other end, he's also for Christian home values for the American people and draining the swamp. I know for a fact that uh, President Trump's 
his he was the lead cause of bringing down a lot of the child sex trafficking rings where Biden's administration is more bringing them in. So there's a lot of pros and cons both to both sides. And it kind of is just a reflection on what's happening now in the news and what will happen in the next couple of months. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you're absolutely right. Uh, I wish we could get an honest media across the board to report the truth. Uh, that's ultimately where this has got to come from. Uh, Matt is doing everything he can. I'm sitting here uh, behind this microphone uh, trying to grow the audience and reach more people. But a lot of what we end up doing is preaching to the choir. We're talking to the folks, the people that are listening in general. The majority are the people that already know these things, and we're just trying to help make sure they don't go crazy thinking that they're the only ones to feel the way they do. Uh, it's when we do reach some new people, uh, which is, again, what makes Matt such a great asset to this particular fight, because through the music, you can complain about so many things. But when you listen to a Matt Fitzgibbon song, uh, it is really hard to just turn off your head unless you're a hardcore socialist and you're listening to, to one of the more patriotic ones, although they're all patriotic to an extent. Uh, some of it is just uh, – What's a good word? Not hidden, but maybe not out front and in the open. Subtle. Uh, <laughs> Subtle, yeah. yeah. Now, it's it's nice, to say, nice for you to say, Tim. I appreciate that. But i got to tell you something. Trying to make everything rhyme, <laughs> that's a trick. Yeah, uh, no small task. And that's why I uh, have a lot of respect for what you do, sir. Uh, so – we, we touched on the reason and rationale why so many establishment folks, regardless of what letter they have at the end of their name, have a vested interest in destroying Donald Trump. He is the person most likely to upset their little apple cart. There is a good reason why they might actually prefer a Ron DeSantis getting the nomination, uh, feeling that he's not as likely to upset their apple cart. To what extent? Can we expect Donald Trump to be under fire uh, moving forward? Because they've already thrown just about everything you can throw at somebody. Again, he's still managing to survive. Some of these court cases, like Amy pointed out, though, there's a couple of them. If they're in front of the right jury with the right judge sitting in front of it, he may end up being convicted uh, in Georgia in particular. Uh, it comes to mind here with the uh, attempts to influence the outcome of the election. Uh, they want to hang criminality around him. They've not been very good at it so far because he didn't do much. A lot of the criminality was waged against him as opposed to him actually doing. I think you do have to take him out of context to make the arguments, but they have no issues with taking him out of context. They love to do it. They love the fact that as a, a New Yorker, He's rough and tumble and talks in a certain way and isn't necessarily the most precise communicator. They love taking advantage of that. Do we see the possibility of Donald Trump having to step away from this effort if he actually has a conviction brought against him? And is it maybe even a plan to try to to schedule this particular court case in Georgia at a point in time where it's almost too late to change course for the Republicans if he does win the nomination? 
I'm, I'm not like religiously addicted to Donald Trump, right? I, I, I see him as the absolute best solution at the moment, but let's say things changed radically and um, it just wasn't possible. And, you know, DeSantis gets the nomination and uh, maybe with Nikki Haley, you know, clean sweep, as Amy was saying, then I would appoint Donald Trump as uh, ambassador to the UN. <laughs> I think that would be very entertaining. Uh, um, Amy? Well, I believe he's going to, if he is back into the White House, that there's going to be a lot of in-house fighting like we saw before. They've gone after him, and they keep going after him, and they're using him as a scapegoat. And matter of fact, a lot of the laws that were hit or complications today and going after um, uh, Christians and putting them in on a surveillance program, all of that is coming from the Democratic Party. So the left is going to keep on hitting and keep on hitting. And unfortunately, I don't see much getting done in draining the swamp like Trump would want to do, because he would constantly have to keep going to court and battle. Well, let, let me pose a counter to your uh, point, which is perfectly legitimate point, by the way. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Uh, let's say that Donald was to take a very aggressive Dan Bongino approach. And, and I don't know if you guys listen to Dan. Uh, I catch about half of his stuff. I, I've got a rotation of other uh, hosts that I try to listen to, and uh, he's amongst the group. But he says day one fire X number of people. Day two, fire twice as many. Day three, uh, fire twice as many as that until you clean it out and you just keep hitting them over and over again to the point that they haven't had time to pivot and adjust to the first thing you've done so they don't have adequate time. They stay off balance. They're not able to organize the counteroffensive because they're so busy being hit. Is that possibly a strategy that might save the day? Amy? Uh, that is one possible strategy. Um, I really haven't thought about that at all, so I really don't have a comment. Matt? Okay. Sure, pass it over to me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have a different kind of. I have a different view of the whole thing. Um, not that I disagree with you. That that it's it's not an impossibility. But um, ultimately, where things stand right now, right? Looking at the polling and everything, DeSantis is by far the underdog, um, yeah. at least among likely, uh, you know, conservative voters and uh, um, independents, uh, Trump is way up. So right now, it's kind of a non-issue, you know. But yeah, there's a lot of time between now and next November. A lot, a lot can happen. Yeah. yeah I, I think the big difference now, as far as what you're going to see polling change, is the fact that he is Ron DeSantis officially in the race. I also think that we're going to see some of these other folks be further diluted as we start seeing some other people. And I know there's probably at least two more names that will end up uh, being thrown in. Is there, and uh, we'll start with Matt this time, is there anybody in particular that you would like to see added to the field? Or do we have enough running for the nomination already? Well, there, there, there will definitely be inevitably more, but DeSantis, let's, you know, 
I've been framing this whole thing from the perspective of DeSantis being overshadowed by Donald Trump. But the bottom line is, if you look at DeSantis and his own credentials, his own history, he's squeaky clean. He's really an impressive individual. You know, his legal background in the military and all the rest of it. So as he becomes more and more known publicly, I think he's going to have a lot more respect nationally. Um, you know, he he comes out on top for governors uh, during COVID, which was a massive power grab by the left. So there's really a lot of good things about DeSantis. I think it's really a race between two. Um, Ideally, if the Republicans really want to tick off every liberal and, and, and watch some progressive heads explode, the um, vice presidential nominee will, it, uh, will be a, a woman. Um, I think that would be a good strategy, and uh, it's, it, it's time. You know, the country's ready. So which of the two? I don't know. Okay. Uh, Amy, your thoughts on the same topic? Well, uh, my vote would probably be for either Jim Jordan or Rand Paul. You know, a lot of them are doing great things inside of the committee hearings. They're doing a lot of excellent work out there. Uh, they run their states wonderfully. You don't see a lot of problem areas. I mean, other than the drugs and <laughs> and some of it, but that's every single state. But they do a lot for their citizens and the people. And I think we would need somebody like that in there. I would like to see them. I just want to add, if I may, Tim, listen, Amy, I, I completely agree with you in terms of um, character, um, duty, um, you know, commitment to our founding principles. A hundred percent agree with you from an ideological perspective. I'm just adding in a, um, a pragmatic perspective. Um, that's that's why I'm focusing on Trump and DeSantis at the moment. But ideologically, I totally agree with you. Love Jordan and Rand Paul. All right. Well, let's uh, look at that uh, VP slot. Then. Uh, I, I think uh, with what Matt said that uh, we end up looking at uh, Miss Haley as being a, uh, a primo selection. Uh, we end up looking at Vivek, though. Uh, Ramaswamy is generating a lot of positive momentum. Uh, even had uh, one of his representatives on the show with us, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. And he was really uh, – he's been out there saying the things that need to be said, and he's doing it from a standpoint of I'm an, also an outsider. I know how to get things done. And I think another thing that makes either one of those uh, folks uh, a good choice for VP is the fact that right now they're not actively doing good work in another open office. The very reason why I would like to see Jim Jordan stay right where he's at is because of the good work he's doing there. Once he's ready to leave that office, yeah, let's get him motivated because I, Jim Jordan is a guy that I could feel 100% comfortable voting for president at some point down the road. I would be okay with him being on the VP ticket, but I would hate to lose his presence where he's at right now. And the same thing with uh, Rand Paul, uh, both of the folks that uh, that Amy pointed out, that's the only reason I would rather not see them because they're doing really good work and they've shown fidelity. They're among some of the very few folks. I think there's what maybe five people currently in the Senate that showed fidelity to the Constitution. And once you get past that, everybody else is looking for workarounds. We need those folks right where they're at. Uh, getting them promoted later when they're ready to move forward – 
okay, I, I'm good with that. I would just hate to see them move prematurely. I, I think the work they're doing right now is way too important. But your guys' thoughts on that? Well, I, I would just say that whoever we run, ultimately they're going to be running against President Zelensky. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a really good point that not too many people are pointing out. Amy? No, I agree. Um, well, even coming on that, it, for the Democrat side, if we had to pick and choose, I would go for Kennedy on the Democrat side. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, he is a unique individual. Uh, in a lot of ways, he's still kind of stuck in some uh, in some data that's been debunked as far as his hatred of vaccinations. Um, he's not but afraid. If, he's he not could, afraid to go ahead. I'm sorry. If he could switch the Democratic Party around and control the House that way, then we could start getting our America back on both sides. Now, I haven't studied Kennedy or anything, but the optics to me appear like he's pulling like a Kanye West. He's just trying to get attention. That's what I see. I, I don't know necessarily that uh, that he really believes the things that he's saying. I don't know. But the optics look like, you know, Kanye West, anything or Madonna, anything, everything for attention. That's what it appears to me. Maybe he'll prove me wrong in a few months. Yeah. Well, the thing about Kennedy is a lot of what he's out there saying now are things that he's been saying for years. So it, it's not – I haven't heard very much from him that's new, and he is willing to just kind of uh, aggressively remind the Democratic Party that not that long ago they actually did have some concern about average Americans and rule of law. And I think that's good for the party. They need those reminders. But he is kind of a wild card. He does say a lot of things that, you know, it would be easy enough if you weren't following him for very long. I, I get exactly what you're saying, Matt. But again, a lot of the things that he's saying now, he's been saying for a very long time. And I do think that he still kind of believes that the name Kennedy should mean more in Democratic Party politics than what it is now. I think he's out of touch in so much as if JFK or RFK were to uh, – uh, if Robert or if John were to be in politics right now, they would be booted out of the current Democratic Party at the national level so fast. Oh, they'd be conservatives. I mean, but on the other hand, hasn't – how do I say this? I, I don't think there's any way to say this um, carefully. Um Kennedys uh, who speak the way he's speaking uh, don't have long life expectancies. Mm -hmm. uh, another good historical point. See, guys, I told you Matt's a great historian. Uh, <laughs> it, it is absolutely true. Uh, Amy, your your thoughts there? Well, I think he does have that going for him, a short lifespan. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I think a lot of the conservativeness comes back from what JFK happened to him and being assassinated. So they have that family lineage, and he wants to make things sure things get corrected. Yeah, yeah. I 
I have no doubt that he's entering with the best of intentions. I also have no doubt that the Democratic Party on the national scale are not about to let him become their nominee, no matter what they have to do. We saw the same thing when Hillary was running. They created superdelegates. They changed the rules. Uh, they've decided this go-around. They're even changing the order of the primaries in order to try and lock down a Biden nomination if he's still their chosen nominee by the time they get there. Uh, they're willing to cheat, lie, steal, whatever's necessary because they believe the ends justify the means. We uh, have every every piece of information. All you have to do is catch a Democrat, especially a former office holder who's not answerable to the people anymore. Uh, you look at somebody like Harry Reid uh, before he passed on. Uh, they're willing to acknowledge that as long as it works, they don't care what they do. The ends justify the means. His accusations about uh, a certain former Massachusetts governor by the name of Mitt Romney, accusations that he hadn't paid his taxes in forever. When he was called out on it after everything was said and done, uh, his only comment was, worked, didn't it? Uh, that's the mindset these people have. Uh, this guy uh, – I really do think he has good intentions, but as we all know, uh, there is a certain road. My name is Joe Biden. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. Joe Brandon, I agree. I mean, he has made clear that. I promise you, the president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. Perhaps the greatest NFL football player to ever grace the gridiron... The Cleveland Browns' Jim Brown, who was a man who thought for himself and stuck to his beliefs and evolved into a much better man unlike many of his contemporaries or today's sellouts like Colin Kaepernick or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Browns Coffee, Jim Brown was never a sellout or a compromiser when it came to important societal issues. He wasn't a civil rights activist, but he fought against authentic racism, but never grew to hate the United States or desecrate the flag. Jim Brown refused to become a poster boy for Democrat Party shenanigans, which he pointed out were and continue to be dreadfully harmful to both the black community and our nation overall. Mr. Jim Brown epitomized the kind of strong masculinity America now rejects and labels as toxic. He died at 87 years of age, leaving behind a legacy of greatness on and off the football field. He wasn't phased by the cruel treatment he received for meeting with Donald Trump because he realized that Trump meant business concerning his desire to improve and strengthen America for all of we the people. Rest easy, Mr. Jim Brown, for though you are gone, you will never be forgotten. I'm Ron Edwards. Until we meet again on the next page from the Edwards Notebook, bye now. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. My name's Joe Biden. My name's Joe Biden. <laughs> My name's Joe Biden. 
All right, so overtime has officially exceeded a half hour, and so we took a mid-hour break that I was not really expecting, but, you know, Doug keeps an eye on the clock, and that's the fun thing about overtime is we can do that. I was, however, just about to thank both Amy and Matt for hanging out with us and staying with us through the overtime as we had a great conversation and then was going to uh, relieve them of the obligation of hanging out with us because they've been so generous with their time already. But before we do that, I definitely wanted to give them a chance to offer up any final thoughts of the evening and of course in matt's case he might have a website or two he wants to share so uh we'll start with amy uh, once again going ladies first uh, amy uh, your final thoughts for the evening for all the listeners as we close down over time well i just want to say whatever happens in the primaries will happen and we'll find out within the next couple of months of what's which is going to take place and how things are going to manipulate and move maneuver around so keep your eye out on the news media outlets keep listening to tim tap and i'm amy Hallam. all right well thank you amy i definitely want to make sure that you do that uh part she just suggested about continuing to listen here uh, that's really good advice okay <laughs> and not self-serving at all uh, thank you amy uh and matt uh, again any final thoughts you want to share and then as you close out feel free to share the websites and any social media handles that you want to share as well. Yeah, great show as usual. You know, it's always uh, great to talk to you. And uh, I've spoken with Amy several times. She's uh, very astute and always brings a, a unique perspective. And uh, great combination, I think. Uh, you know, thanks a lot for having me on. All my stuff is at patriotmusic.com. If someone wants to... Uh, you know, send me a nasty email because I dare speak ill of, uh, you know, the anointed one, Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, go to the contact page. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we do keep it real here. Uh, it's called Tap Into the Truth for a reason. Uh, we spend a lot of time. I lost a lot of listeners early on because I do dare to criticize Donald Trump when he deserves it. There's a good Trump. There's a bad Trump. Uh, when he's being bad, we point it out. And uh, guess what? There is no anointed one at this point, guys. If you're one of those 40 percent of the uh, Republican voters that just thinks Donald Trump's the only option, guys – I love you. Don't want you to go anywhere. But you need to understand Donald Trump has got to earn it again. And he's got to do it by looking like the Donald Trump who earned it the first time. All right. That's going to be it for overtime. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us. If you listen this long, then I know you're dedicated. And I want to remind you one more time, please support the companies that are supporting the show. Fourpatriots.com, Gold Co., and, of course, our friends over at Vanish Holsters. Check all them out. There will be links in the show description for the podcast if you need a reminder. Or you can go back and listen to the first couple of hours when I gave out all the appropriate information. In the meanwhile, one more time, I'm going to say the usual closing line just because it's a habit I don't want to get out of. Don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and, most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. That's it for now. Hope you guys have a great Memorial Day weekend. And remember to take at least a little bit of time to remember those who paid the ultimate price so that we can enjoy those liberties. God bless, and we'll see you next Friday.
using both hands. <laughs> 